on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR race review, along with our hot topic sound up. Now, during the first half hour, we are going to uh, focus on the Arca Menard series. We'll give a few updates from the Arca East and West. And at 840, our guest is the Daytona winner of the Arkham Menard Series, Corey Heim. Uh, he's with Venturini Motorsports. He drives the number 20 for them. And uh, in addition to talking about his win at Daytona, we will also talk to him about his season and the race that's coming up this weekend at Phoenix Raceway race number two for the Arkham Menard series. So definitely looking forward uh, to talking with Corey Heim at 8.40 p.m. here tonight. Then at 9 o'clock, we will start our review of the truck series race at Las Vegas along with the Xfinity series race at Las Vegas. At 9.30, we have another guest. Christian McGee is coming on board at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. He won the Chili Willy 150 out of Tucson Speedway, and we will talk to him about that and what his plans are for this season and uh, what he is up to. Definitely looking forward to catching up with Christian McGee. Uh, After that, we will review the Cup Series race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We had three really exciting races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and I can't wait uh, to go over the details of those races as well uh, during our NASCAR race review part of the show. 10 o'clock is Hot Topic Sound Off. And our Fan for Racing crew will join us at that time where we discuss all the hottest topics from the weekend of racing uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Joining me now is our co-host for tonight, and that is South Gala. Welcome to the show, South. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Okay. Uh, I've gone through our, our uh, overview of tonight. Uh, and uh, we've got it listed as well. But, uh, Sal, let's, uh, I want to start off talking about uh, the Arca Menard series and the Arca East and West. Um, the Arca East uh, recently raced. Their last race was actually at Five Flags Speedway. They won't be racing again until May the 8th, and that will be at Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, so we won't have a lot to talk about there until May the 8th. But the ARCA East, I'm sorry, the ARCA West, along with the ARCA Menard Series, are both racing this weekend together at Phoenix Raceway, and that's going to be exciting because it's the season opener for the ARCA West and the second race of the season for the ARCA Menard Series. So, Yeah, it's going to be exciting this weekend. Kind of too bad that uh, Arca isn't putting anything up until tomorrow. You know, as far as the West race, they um, I was kept checking the site to see what's going on, and uh, so far all it says is uh, look for everything tomorrow morning. They're gonna they're gonna and usually they do it a week a week and a half in advance. I don't know why they're waiting so long. Well, they're they're waiting. The entry list is the only thing they're saying is going to be out tomorrow. So the rest of it, the pit box and everything is already up at the Arkham Arts website. Uh, so 
there is some discussion there about what to expect uh, this weekend at Phoenix. Uh, the race, by the way, is on March the 12th, which is Saturday. And uh, I'm sorry, that race is on Friday. And uh, the the time is 5.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I believe that is 7.30 p.m. our time or Eastern time. And uh, that is definitely a race to look forward to. Now, if you have MAV-TV, fans will be able to watch this race on MAV-TV, which is really very cool. If if not, um, I believe you'll also be able to watch it on TrackCast if you're an MC, NBC uh, Sports Gold member. You can watch it as part of your TrackCast subscription. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm clapping my hands for this one, the General Tire 150 at Phoenix Raceway, Sal. I think it's going to be exciting uh, as a season opener for the West and the second race for the Arkham Menard Series this season. <coughs> yeah, it's going to be good. I mean, uh, I, 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 I just want to see the entry list. I mean, they only put a few drivers. I want to see the full entry list to see exactly who's going to be racing. Um, you know, so I get try and get a little more excited about it. Yeah, well, I think Corey's going to help us get excited about it. He's right now the series points leader uh, in the Arkham Menard series, uh, having won at Daytona International Speedway back in February. But here's the thing. He also won the season finale, Sal, last year at Kansas Speedway. So he's on a little bit of a roll uh, winning the season finale last year and then coming out and winning the season opener this year. Uh, it's going to be fun to see what he's able to do out at Phoenix Raceway this weekend, so I'm really looking forward to talking to him about that. Yeah, it's – I don't – I. the only thing that bums me out about the dark is the Menard Series West, East, and the series itself is they go too many weeks in between – their races instead of, you know, going like maybe every two weeks. I remember back when the West Series would race like every two, three weeks, you know, we always got a lot of action, you know, got to see, you know, the up-and-coming drivers. And now it's like you almost have to go watch, you know, some super late model racing, you know, within that month, you know, to get some good racing. Mm-hmm. Even though our NASCAR is doing really well, our, you know, our three series just really, gosh, this season has been amazing. But, you know what, we still want to see those up-and-coming drivers. You know, I'd like to see them a lot more than what we've been seeing them in the past. Right, and keeping in mind that this is kind of a different year, this year and last year are kind of different years uh, for both of these series with the COVID uh, pandemic. A lot of the scheduling uh, had to be based on what was happening at the time that they were putting that schedule together. So whether or not they make changes to that throughout this season, I'm not sure. Uh, They haven't said that they're going to do that. But um, I'm sure these guys uh, are are feeling the same way uh, as what you're talking about. I'm sure they want to be in the car and be out there racing as soon as they possibly can be. Uh, But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing both of those series out on the track at Phoenix this weekend. And what's cool about it as well is you've got uh, NASCAR, a couple of NASCAR series that are going to be racing out of Phoenix this weekend. So uh, that's going to be exciting too. You've got both the Xfinity and the Cup Series also racing out there. Yeah, it is. You know, and 
And um, you know, curious to see you know how how uh, um, how last year's West champion, you know, how he you know starts off. I mean, he's already been he's been all over the, the United States racing. So, um, but um, you know, to see Jesse Love come back and you know see him, you know, uh, see if he can um, repeat and you know make it make it two in a row. He's gonna have some tough competition this year, you know, with Cole Moore on that team. You know, speaking of the Arca West, you know, coming up and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, it's going to be interesting. Um, Sunrise Ford finally announced their two drivers, which was uh, which is huge. So, um, you know, it's starting to take shape, little by little. It's taking shape. Things are taking shape is exactly right. And yes, I can't wait to see uh, Jesse Love back out on the track. He's last year's uh, ARCA West champion, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be racing out at Phoenix. Uh, this weekend. Uh, like you say, we don't have the uh, entry list just yet, but uh, I've got a feeling we're going to see Jesse Love out there uh, racing uh, to start off hit that Arca West season. Oh, yeah. You know, he's uh, actually he just made two starts this past weekend in a, in, a, in a sports car over at Sonoma, which is close to his home, and he, he won both his main events this past weekend, so you know he's pumped. He's ready to go. So, um, yes, we're gonna, I'm sure he is. Yeah, so well, we're gonna. It's gonna be exciting. It is go ahead, be exciting. I know another. Well, I know another driver that's really pumped and ready to go as well. Uh, coming off the win at Daytona in the season opener for the Arkham Menard Series is Corey Heim. And first of all, Corey. I want to say congratulations on your victory. That's two in a row for you, having won the uh, season finale at Kansas last year and now the Daytona season season opener. Uh, You've got to be uh, riding high right now. Yeah, no doubt. I really appreciate that. Um, Definitely the last two races have been really good to me, um, and I think both of them really fit kind of my driving style and just kind of what I – um, enjoy driving for the most part of those, you know, bigger mile and a half tracks or two and a half mile tracks like Daytona is. And, um, you know, Phoenix is a little bit different than those two, but I've been there a couple of times and uh, I think I got a lot of confidence going into this weekend. Oh, well, that's good to know too, Corey. Now we don't have the entry list yet. It's not going to come out until tomorrow. So you're definitely going to be out there at Phoenix uh, and racing the number 20 for Venturini Motorsports. Um, uh, Tell us about your thoughts about going into Phoenix this weekend. Yeah, Phoenix is definitely an interesting one. Um, It's very action-packed. The restarts are really crazy. Um, And what they've done to that racetrack to make it a uh, a really good show for the fans has made it a little bit more stressful for the the drivers for sure. Just um, a lot of multi-groove racing and a lot of of things you have to avoid and um, really have a lot of discipline to make it to the end there. But, I uh, really do enjoy it out there in Phoenix. I love the area. I love the racetrack. So um, it's going to be really good. And I know that my uh, Venerdy Motorsports guys will bring me a really good GBL camera as well. Yep, I have no doubt. Now, uh, in addition to the Arkham Menard Series out there, the Arkham West is going to be joining you. This is going to be their season opener out at the track. And like I say, we don't have the entry list yet. We're expecting it uh, tomorrow. But I kind of have a feeling we might see some of the Xfinity and possibly um, uh, a cup driver might be on that entry list. Have you heard anything about that? I really haven't heard much of uh, who's going to all be in the entry list, but I know they 
Um, I know some truck drivers and some Xfinity guys like to come down and uh, race the Arkham Menard Series race just because it is good experience with um, having no practice or qualifying for the uh, the top three levels just to come down in that Arca Series and uh, get that practice and then get that 150 laps, I think it is, under your belt. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see any big uh, top guys come down and race with us, and I think it would be a lot of fun if they do, and um, I would certainly enjoy it. Okay, well, I'm really glad to hear that. Now, uh, we have our co-host here with us tonight as well, Sal Segala, and he has some questions for you as well, and then we'll come back and I'll ask a few more. Okay, Sal? (laughs) First of all, Corey, uh, uh, thanks for being on the show tonight. Um, Gosh, you know, it's it's really got to be exciting. You know, being so young, you know what, and actually having all the opportunities you've had, you know, in the years past, you know, racing – you know, everything, you know, from the regular Arkham and Art Series, you know, to the East, to the West, you know, you made a, a start in the K&N Pro Series, you know, then, of course, you know, back East, you know, one of the biggest tours, you know, is the Car Super Late Model Tour. Gosh, that's a, you know, that's a pretty good little resume you got behind you at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, I'm really blessed to be able to be where I'm at in my career right now and just to have the opportunities that I've had in my past and, um, you know, to be a part of some great organizations along the way, too. And, um, you know, this year for me is just about really going out and having a successful year. Um, you know, I've had my struggles. I've had my ups and downs, you know, throughout the two seasons I've raced before in Arkham Menard. Just uh, didn't have quite as many opportunities. I only had, you know, seven races uh, across the three Arca Series last year. And this year, uh, this year I had 20. So, uh, pretty much tripled my opportunities this year, and that's um, going to be really huge for me just to be full-time with those guys at Venerdy Motorsports and really uh, see what we can uh, make happen. So what was it that got you started in racing? Did you start in quarter midgets, or was it just something you picked up a little bit later on in life, or how did you get started? Yeah, I did actually. Uh, I did start in quarter midgets. Um, I, I grew up in Marietta, Georgia, and we raced at um, we raced at Lanier a lot, and we also raced in Cumming, Georgia, um, that's kind of where I started up and we kind of moved, um, you know, across the board and, you know, Southern, you know, Southeast races and quarter midgets and tried to, you know, experiment with traveling a little bit. And we really just, or me and my dad, that is, we really, um, we really enjoyed it all the way through the whole process of, uh, the race weekend and just, you know, the whole aspect behind asphalt racing, we've always been, you know, sticking behind that. Uh, never really tried dirt racing other than a little bit of, you know, the Arca series that dips their toes into a little bit every year. But, um, you know, I, I after that, I went into some Bandoleros and Legends cars at Larry Motor Speedway, uh, did some stuff around the southeast and that as well, did some national races, and then I got myself into super late models, and they're from uh, Arkham Nard Series. You know, and actually, speaking about your super late model, um, a couple of years ago, you ran second to Stephen Nassi in the Winchester 400, which is like, you know, you know, it's, it's like the build-up, you know, to the snowball derby at the end of the year, um, you know, to run second, you know, to, uh, to Nassie, you know, it was a good battle back then. Um, let, um, tell me a little bit about the, about what it was like, you know, you know, to run that race, you know, what were you like 16 years old, I think at the time. Yeah. I mean, Winchester is honestly like hands down my favorite racetrack in super late models. Um, I really love going there. I've been there twice in a super late model and we're also going to go there this year in an arca car, which I'm also really looking forward to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't, 
I wasn't Stephen Assey's teammate at the time, but I am now, and I'm hoping to go back there this year and battle with him again, uh, this time on the same team. But just to, you know, battle with him, and he's a really experienced racer, really good race car driver. So we had a really good race, and I remember that race pretty clear. Um, I was able to move around a lot, and I, I think they gave me a lot of uh, good experience with the ARCA race this year. Um, you know, and I'm really looking forward to hopefully making another Winchester start this year. You know, and actually, you, you didn't you didn't do too bad this year in the in the Derby. You know, saying you know that you know you know so you know some of the you know the you know some of the racing that went on this year. I think it was a lot. I think the racing this year was a lot better than the years in past. Yeah, the Snowball Derby. Um, you know, last year we had our ups and downs for sure. Um, struggled a little bit throughout the race, but I think that event's um, really key for a lot of young drivers' careers, just like mine, just to be able to go out against, like, all the top guys in the entire country uh, in Superlam Auto Racing and just to go see what you're worth and go see what you can really do against those top guys. And, you know, you also got the the occasional cup drivers that come out and race that race as well. And if you can really prove yourself and get your name out there, that's really huge for your career. And uh, unfortunately for me, I haven't really had the best luck down there yet, but uh, yeah, this past year hasn't been bad to me. I think we finished 10th or 11th and had a couple uh, mechanical issues. So I'm uh, hoping to improve on that this year. One last question. What's it like to be Steven Nassie's teammate? I mean, I've, I've known Steven, you know, for a number of years and, you know what? And on top of his card says one one side is nasty, nasty. One side is classy, nasty. And every year I ask him, I go, "Am I going to see the classy or the nasty?" And he always gives me the same thing. Well, if you run me clean, you're going to get the classy. If you run me dirty, you're going to get the dirty. But being a teammate of Steven and and all the experience he has, and you know what he's been through, you know, in the past, you know, three four years, you know, you know, with the controversy and stuff like that, being part of Pat Jet's team also. Jet Motorsports is like one of the one of the classiest teams out there. What's it like? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had that uh, question asked to me a lot, and I mean, I would definitely say that Stevens Stevens awesome. He's really approachable, um, and he'll tell you anything you'd like to know about a track that you know you don't have a lot of information on or you've never been to before. Uh, he's very approachable, and you can ask him whatever you need, and he'll tell you his honest answer. And uh, nine times out of ten, it'll help out there. So. Um, yeah, he's he's actually been a really really good teammate for me in the Super Racing this year. Helped me out a lot at the uh, All American 400 this year as well. Just what he was doing different to make his car a lot faster than mine, and I I got mine up to par, and we actually competed for the win there at the end. So um, he's been an awesome teammate, and as you mentioned, Pat Jet uh, couldn't be more happy with you know his his race team and his guys, Chris Cater. Um, you know, and all those guys over there. They're they're awesome people. They're an awesome race team, and they've got some really fast cars under the belt. And with that, Corey, I just want to say, you know, good luck, you know, um, you know, the upcoming season, you know, good luck, you know, coming up in, uh, you know, especially out know, here in Phoenix. I know it's going to be a good one-mile race. You know, it's going to be a lot of a lot of good drivers out there. And uh, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay, Corey. Uh, I want to kind of come back to your Daytona race. Uh, you you and your teammate, Drew Dollar, finished uh, first and second. Uh, talk about that last restart and, and your thoughts going into that last restart and then uh, at the end when you actually won. Yeah, I knew going into that last restart, um, we clearly had a really fast car the whole race, just led pretty much the entire second portion of it. And, um, you know, sliced the field pretty good there in the beginning. So um, I knew we had a really fast race car. And if we got out front, I think I really felt like we pretty much had the race won just because of the pure speed of my race car. But, um, you know, of course, I had a really good restart. 
And um, luckily I was able to just have a really good launch, get through the gears really good and get in front of Drew. And he, uh, you know, pushed me until he couldn't anymore. So um, he uh, he's a really good teammate right there. He had some damage and a power steering issue. So uh, he would really struggle if he was out front. So I knew, I think he knew in his mind that he had to help me get to the finish if he wanted to finish second uh, in that race. So um, I was definitely super nervous going to that last restart, but um, I knew our car had a, a lot of speed. And, you know, after we won, it was really hard for me to kind of think about it all at the moment. It didn't really sink in until later that night just to think that I'd won Daytona. But, um, you know, just really, really blessed to be in that position and have the opportunity to go out there and try to race for the win. And luckily we got it done. Yeah, that's pretty exciting uh, to win at Daytona. Uh, International Speedway, uh, and it's a big race. I know everybody dreams about uh, winning a race at that track. Um, but you've got to feel pretty good about the schedule, especially the, re- the the races that are coming up. We've talked about Phoenix, Talladega, another super speedway on the schedule. Uh, it, how is that different from Daytona? Yeah, um, I'm feeling really good about the schedule this year. It's very diverse. We have some road courses. We have some dirt tracks. We have uh, pretty much everything you can really imagine that you can put a, you know, an ARCA car on pretty much. So, um, But as you mentioned, Talladega, um, you know, I've never been there. Uh, Daytona, before I raced it this year, I actually tested it two years ago, so I really had a pretty good idea of what to expect. But Talladega, I've never – I've been there to watch a couple times. I've never been on the racetrack, so – I uh, couldn't tell you exactly what's okay. a lot different there, but, um, you know, I know it's a little bit more bumpy and it's wider and you can race in more grooves. So uh, it'll be interesting from the time I get there to the time the race starts, I won't have much time to learn it. So uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Okay. And then after that is uh, Kansas Speedway, you'll be the defending winner there. Uh, so that's got to feel good. The first four races uh, are playing right into your hands. Uh, but talk about the rest of the schedule and what are you looking forward to there and what do you have circled? Yeah, the rest of the schedule, schedule. um, I'm really looking forward to, like I said, just the really diverse races that we got there. Um, You know, I think the most, uh, the thing I'm most looking forward to is probably just all those those new racetracks that I've never been to before, just new experiences and new uh, memories that we made with my team. And hopefully we have, you know, good runs out there, but I think there's at least five or six tracks this year that I've never been to in my life. So um, it's going to be really interesting just to see what I can gain um, as far as knowledge, just pre-race and try to get a, you know, a decent idea of what to expect. Uh, we're probably going to get at most an hour of practice when we get, uh, if that. So it's going to be um, really crucial for me to, prepare well and just get ready for those opportunities. And, um, you know, we've got some road courses on the schedule too. I've never driven a road course before. So um, a lot of new, uh, a lot of new opportunities on the way. Okay. And then I guess the net last question I have for you is how do you prepare for those tracks where you've never raced before? Are you an iRacer or? Yeah, I do. I do a little bit of iRacing in my spare time, and uh, Toyota also has a simulator that I go to during the week um, and prepare for some tracks. Uh, they have pretty much everything you can imagine on there, or something at least close to it. So, um, you know, I work with my engineer at Benarini on um, stuff that makes car feel better for me, so we can unload with something that's um, pretty viable for me to race with, and um, you know, just a just a diverse schedule this year is going to be pretty. Um, 
pretty difficult as a driver just to go to those road courses and dirt tracks and, you know, have those tracks that I've never been to before. But the best thing I can do is just prepare on the simulator and look at some footage as well to try to get me prepared as best as possible. Well, it sounds, uh, it all sounds good, Corey. Uh, I think you've got a lot to look forward to for this season. And we, as fans, we have a lot to look forward to as well uh, for this Arkham Menard Series season. Uh, I want to give you a chance for any shout-outs that you want to do before we say goodbye. And uh, we hope to have you back again somewhere down the road here. Yeah, definitely. just want to give a, uh, give a thanks to Toyota Racing, Veterinary Motorsports, uh, Jet Motorsports, Lee Point Performance, and Craftsman for uh, everything they do, JBL as well. Um, if, without them, it would not be possible, and I'm looking forward to a great year with all those guys and all my partners. Okay. Well, again, thank you for being on the show tonight. Uh, we really appreciate it, Corey, and we wish you the best of luck uh, in these next couple of races, especially Phoenix that's coming up. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on today. Okay. Take care now. All right. Thank you. You too. All righty. That is Corey Heim. He is with Venturini Motorsports. You can see him in the number 20 for that organization, and he will be racing out at Phoenix Raceway this weekend on MAP TV, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, And uh, I think uh, it's going to be a fun race. I think I, I can't wait to see the entry list. I'm anticipating quite a few drivers to be on that list. So, yeah, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more than what they've what they put out. Maybe thirty, I don't know, twenty five, thirty drivers. Yep, yep, I think so. Um, and and uh, it's a one mile track, so that'll make the racing uh, pretty exciting to watch as well. So um, let's go ahead, Sal, and let's move on to our truck series because uh, the truck series had a fantastic race out at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past weekend. Uh, Ben Rhodes won the first two races, but we had a new winner in this race out at Las Vegas, the 1.5-mile paved oval, and that was John Hunter Nemechek in the number four and right behind him was his boss, <laughs> Kyle Bush at Kyle Bush Motorsports. Uh, I think Kyle was okay with not winning this one. Yeah, there was a lot, some things said after the race, you know, but that's neither here nor there. You know, the thing is, John Hunter Ewachecker in the wind. He certainly did. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it on, on uh, Hot Topics tonight as well. Uh, that the, what you're talking about there, but uh, John Hunter Nemechek uh, did come in first in that number four for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Second place was Kyle Busch in the number 51. Then we had Austin Hill. Uh, that was his 100th start uh, with uh, uh, the Truck Series. So he was in the number 16, finishing third. Then you have Stuart Friesen in the number 52. In fourth, and Matt Crafton rounds out the top five there. Yeah, it was a good, uh, good effort there by uh, Austin Hill. You know, he was up and down. So was Matt Crafton. Um, actually, oh yeah, that's right. We're doing the top five. Yeah, John Hunter Emacek ran a good race. Kyle Busch had a chance, a couple chances to win. He got the flat tire, and you know, it kind of 
mess up his day. You know, he went a lap down, got the lap back and made his way through the field, but, you know, just couldn't, didn't have enough at the end, you know, to catch uh, Nemechek, who was fast all night. Yes, indeed. Uh, The next six driver, or the next four drivers, I should say, uh, starting with position number six is Zane Smith. Then you had Grant Enfinger. He was uh, racing the number nine this week. He finished in seventh place. Uh, next was Parker Kligerman in the number 40, I'm sorry, in the number 75, uh, and then Christian Eckes in the number 98, and Ben Rhodes in the number, uh, finishing in 10th place in the number 99. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good top 10. Um, nobody had anything for the Cobbush Motorsports trucks, though, all night. Looked like Matt Crafton might have had something towards the end, but just never really could, you know, could get going on all, you know, on all eight cylinders. But the KBM trucks once again proved that, you know, they're the trucks to beat and they're the class of the field. They definitely are. Uh, and, and you know, it was good to see uh, Stuart Friesen have a good night. He's not really been uh, running well lately, so it was good to see him come home with a top five. And Austin Hill as well. Uh, the start of the season hasn't been good for, for Austin, so uh, to see him rebound with that top three I thought was really, really good. Um, Parker Kligerman, it was good to see him back down the wheel uh, this weekend in racing and coming home with a top ten finish. Uh, so that was all uh, really good to see. Um it was the number four of John Hunter Nemechek winning the first stage. Uh, the number 51 of Kyle Busch won the second stage. And, of course, uh, John Hunter, again, uh, winning the race. Uh, the highest finishing rookie was Chandler Smith. So uh, he came home in eighth, in 19th place. So uh, that was a good finish for him. There were nine caution flags for 48 laps uh, and nine lead changes among just five drivers in this race. So uh, very exciting uh, race. Uh, it had a finish, uh, margin of victory finish was 0.686 seconds. So it was a close finish. Yeah, it was a close finish. He, um, like I said, Kyle started making a run towards the end, but just didn't have enough laps or he needed one more, you know, one more caution, you know, to, uh, you know, catch Nemechek, you know, who was, you know, definitely showing, you know, that he was the class of the field. He he was the class of the field. Um, they they had a restart with six laps left to go, and uh, Kyle Busch, uh, you know, helped his driver uh, go out there. Ben Rhodes actually started from the pole, uh, so that was uh, pretty cool. And uh, the average speed of the race was 96 point one three four miles per hour. Uh let's go ahead and cover the points. All right, for the points, uh let's see, let's go to the points here. We got three races in. Yeah, only three races in. It seems like the season's been gone on uh more than that, but for the points, <laughs> um we got John Hunter Nemechek who's leading the points with um with one race win. Sitting in second is Ben Rhodes um, with two race wins himself, and actually that those are all the race wins for the season. Um, third is Sheldon Creed. Um, fourth is 
Matt Crafted at fifth is Chandler Smith, which is the highest rookie so far this season, and he's sitting the fifth in points. Um, boy, Sheldon Creed had, yeah. a, had a horrible night. He just couldn't – I don't know if maybe he's just used to running without a sponsor. He runs sponsorless, and he runs good. He puts a sponsor on the truck and, and you know, just didn't – had his problems out there. Yeah, it wasn't his night, but uh, uh, you know we did see some good racing. I thought there was good racing throughout the night uh, all around the track. Uh, and then Chandler Smith, uh, still in fifth place in the series point standings, is pretty good for the rookies. Yeah, especially since he also had his issues. Done. He also had his issues too. So it was you know he's still up there in the points and still too early in the season to really get a grasp on everything, but um, either way, Ben Rose and John Hunter, John Hunter and Imachek are already in the chase, so so the rest of their mm-hmm. season is, you know, just, you know, picking up those um, those playoff points, stage wins, and, you know, however they can get it. And then six is we got Stuart Creason, seventh, Grant Infinger, eighth, Todd Gilliland, ninth, Johnny Sauter, and tenth is the, our, the other rookie, uh, Carson Hosover, um, rounds out the top ten in the with the truck series. Yeah. And and then right behind them are Austin Wayne South and Austin Hill, uh, that uh are taking the eleventh and twelfth spots. Um but I guess it's only eight drivers that are gonna be in the uh, playoffs, right? Yeah, it's only gonna be eight this year, so <laughs> I went in and went down to the we always do the top ten. We're used to it, you know, doing top ten, you know, so uh Actually, um, yeah, Todd Gilliland, yeah, Todd on the bubble. Him and uh, Johnny Sauter actually tied for points, and um, Carson Hosover and Austin Wayne Self are one behind. But um, we all know that all that's gonna it's gonna change as the season goes on. You know, you know, we're gonna start getting more race winners in there, and you know, and uh, I'm sure some of the lower drivers, you know, that are at the bottom, you're gonna start, you know, picking up their um, momentum so to speak, you know, and mm-hmm. probably get up there and we're going to see some, uh, you know, some changes in that. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I really enjoy about the Camping Little Truck Series this year, Sal, is that we're so used to them getting one or two races in at the beginning of the season and then we don't see them again until March or April. And uh, this year uh, they've already got three races in uh, through March the 5th. And then we're going to see them again. They're not racing this weekend at Phoenix, but the next time we see them on track, we'll be at Atlanta on March the 20th. So they're getting a lot more races in earlier in the season this year, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good for the series. It's good for the drivers because you, know you don't really want them sitting too long. And, you know, because some of them, most of them, you know, this is the only series they race. You know, they're not out racing, you know, other, you know, dirt races, you know, and, you know, super late model races, you know, so you want to keep your drivers, you know, you know, sharp, you know, as you possibly can. The only way to do that is by having them behind the wheel of a, of a race car. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So that race at Atlanta is March the 20th. It's a Saturday. It will be on Fox Sports 1 at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. And if you listen on the radio, you want to tune in to MRN or Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. Um, that That is uh, 
uh, really cool to see them racing so many more races at the start of the season. And I'm sure the drivers uh, love it as well. But as we look at uh, the point standings here and you go down the list, are there any drivers that are kind of uh, further down the list that you see could possibly make a move up as the season progresses? Or do you think we're you know, kind of looking at pretty much what it's going to be? I, it's kind of tough to say. I kind of think, in my opinion, I kind of think we're kind of looking at, at you know, you know who's going to be up there. I know there's everybody has their favorites. Everybody wants to see this driver, that driver, this driver, that driver. But you know what? Realistically speaking, I don't I don't see much of a much of a movement, with the exception of maybe Zane Smith, and possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Moffitt is another one that I could see. Timothy Peters. But, um, you know, Tanner Gray, he's only in his, what, I think the second season. You know, he's still learning a lot. Derek Krause, second season. I don't, I don't, I see them maybe, maybe a top 15. I don't see them as a, as a, as a, as a, as a top 10. I think the runs we really got to watch is really, I think it's going to be Timothy Peters, Brett Moffitt, and Zane Smith are the three that are outside of the top eight right now, they're that are either going to make a move or they're going to end up winning a race this before the end of the season. Yeah, I would I would agree with you uh, there. That, but the, I am going to kind of um, defend Derek just a little bit. He's had some mechanical issues this season, uh, and if they can get that figured out, uh, we've seen Derek have some really good runs in the truck series. So I, I don't see him staying in 24th place. I just see him moving up that list. Um, oh, yeah. It would be great to see him be in the mix for the playoffs, but he's kind of he's got a little bit of a road to hoe here in order to make that happen. And uh, if, they can, if they can take care of the mechanical issues that they've been having, um, then I, I do think we can see some better finishes from Derek Kraft. You know, and then you got to remember they're 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 a one truck team. You know, yes. you know, you know. Last year, last year was really their first season, first full season of the truck series. So they're still trying to get a handle on it. You know, it's not like somebody like David Gillen and racing you who could throw one truck out there. You know, with with say Todd, and you know, we could say, hey, you know what, they got a good shot. You know, because of you know the experience you know that David that David uh, Gillen himself has racing in the, in the upper series. You know, same thing with your. Thor Motorsports, you know, and your other, you know, teams coming in, but it, it's it's kind of hard when you have a, 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 a you know, a BMR team, you know, whose focus is, you know, the Canon, well, not Canon anymore. I'm sorry, it's Arca Bernard West Series, you know, developmental program, you know, and, but I mean, you take your hat, you have to take your hats off to them, like you said, you know, they did have some good runs last year, you know, and only being a mm-hmm. second-year truck team, you know, and then. The biggest thing with this whole COVID thing is no practice. I mean, if they had more practice, you know what, you could probably say, you know what, you know, we could might be able to toss them into the top 10. But mm-hmm. they, they have had no practice. None of the teams have had practice. So basically, you got to look at the veterans who have raced these tracks before, you know, like, you know, like I said, you know, like Timothy Peters, you know, Matt Crafton, you know, Sheldon Creed, you know, has had a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of laps through Johnny Sauter, you know, Austin Wayne mm-hmm. self even, you know, Austin Hill, you know, they, you know, they've had their practice, they're qualified and they've had, you know, race time here, you know, you know, you know, throw a team out there, you know, with that's a new team, you know, don't practice. And it's like, 
you know, you're throwing them out in the middle of a, you know, of a hornet's nest, you know, without no protection, you know, and, and, but, you know, they're, they're holding, they're holding their own, they're sticking it out. You know what? And, and, and I'm not saying, but, you know, they, they, they have a, they have the possibility, you know, to be a good team in the future, you know? Yes, indeed. Uh, and, and, uh, Another driver that kind of, as I'm going down the list here, I see Tyler Ankrum down in 31. That's kind of a surprise, too, because Tyler uh, is usually pretty good in this truck series. So I, I think maybe he can move up this list as well. Uh, and, and I do think that some of these drivers like Chase Purdy, uh, Haley Deegan, and the other rookies, um, I think that as we get into Carson Hosovar, he's already up in the top ten. Uh, as this season progresses, Sal, I think a lot of those drivers are going to have better finishes as well. Yeah, I agree. But I don't know, Carson Hosovar, He's his own worst enemy. He just he's a he's a uh, missile out there. You know, we we see him in, <laughs> in the super late. Which happens with a lot of the new drivers. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, and and it's and it's sad, but it kind of falls in the category of what Mike Joy said last, you know, last week in his tweet, you know, about you know some of these drivers need to realize, you know, just because their daddy's money is paying for the driver, you know, it's just not paying for them, you know, to 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 live their dream, you know, but you know, but you know, they need to put their time in, you know what, and 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 learn what the truck is all about, the series, and you know, spend the time in the shop to see what it's like to have to fix your own truck, you know, when you wreck it, instead of just getting in a jet plane and flying home and and, you know, letting the team work on it, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and they, they don't have more respect for, you know, for the series, their fellow driver and for, you know, their own equipment, you know, basically, you know, um, you know, and, and that's kind of like the way um, Derek Krause is, because I know Derek Krause puts time in the, in the shop, you know, um, plus he puts time, you know, with, with Bill helping develop, you know, his developmental program, you know, so Derek Krause is actually putting, he puts a lot of time in, you know, away from home, you know, with, with the Bill McAnally racing uh, program, you know, he, you know, he does his, he pulls his weight, you know, he earned, he, he's earning that ride. Mm-hmm. I have, I have no doubts about that. Uh, we, you know, we'll have to try to get Derek back on the show again here sometime. Uh, but I want to wait till he's running a little bit better uh, to bring him on. But yeah, I, I think that uh, we will see him have some good finishes before this is all uh, said and done. As far as Carson Hosovar, uh, this is his first season. He's a rookie. Uh, he's used to being out there winning at the local tracks, and and uh, this is a big um, a big learning curve uh, for these guys to be racing these trucks. They don't race the same as super late models race, and uh, you know we've talked about this. The the truck series is a very competitive series and and these guys are out there racing hard every single lap and uh you remember when we talked to christian eckes i asked him about the intensity level and uh, he said he thought it's always been intense even more intense it seems like this season yeah you know and it and it's so true but you know, but then these drivers, you know, coming into the truck series, you know, from whatever their other series are coming into, they got to remember that you know, now they're racing for points. You know, Carson Hosovar, mm-hmm. he's used to racing for wins. You know, everything he does in Super Late Model, it has, you know, you don't get a point 
you don't get playoff points, you don't get points where you finish. You're only racing for that for that trophy and that big check. That's it. Now the whole realm of things changes because now you're racing for points. So now you need to really, you know, watch you know how you're racing. Not only Carson, you know, but you know all the other drivers too. You know who are coming mm-hmm. from super late models. You know they got to realize, hey, you know what? We're racing for points. We're racing, you know, for championship. You know, you have a third place car. Take the third place car. You know what? Instead of trying to push it into a first, it end up in thirty first. You know, and and this is where the whole thing. When I've talked, when I've talked with David Gilliland about this, you know, when I see him at the Derby a couple years ago, you know, him and Chris Lawson, the crew chief. And he says that's what he has to instill in, you know, the drivers, you know, that he picks up from the super late, you know, said, hey, you know, now we're looking at points. You know, we need it. We need those points. Or points are important every week. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, it's time for Sal to move over to the Xfinity Series because they raced at Las Vegas this weekend as well. And uh, that was a, that was another fun race to watch. Uh, they raced on Saturday, March the 6th, and it was A.J. Allmendinger coming up with the victory. Uh, A.J. sometimes shoots himself in the foot, too, uh, so I was really glad to see him kind of keep his cool and kind of keep things going in order to be able to win that race uh, this weekend. So uh, he he was the winner. Uh, Daniel Hemrick. I thought at times Daniel Hemrick might come up with that win. Uh, he's driving the 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing this this year. He did come in second. Uh, I know he's disappointed with that. He wants that win. But um, uh, I think that win is coming for Daniel Hemrick. The number 19, also Joe Gibbs Racing, finished in third place. Austin Sendrick uh, came in fourth place. And then it was Noah Gregson. Uh, rounding out the top five there. Oh, my gosh. How many times have we talked about Daniel Hamrick and finishing second? <laughs> I he know. He was so close I to know. winning this race. That last pit stop and that last caution, and just and it, it ruined his whole – it seems like the last caution, it ruins it for the drivers. We're used to seeing the last caution and them coming out, you know, first and going on to win. But this last caution just really super – costed Daniel Hemrick to win. I, I I was watching the race and I said he's finally gonna get that elusive win. And then Almendinger said, you know what, I'm sorry, brother, but you know, co- colleague has me full time this year, you know what I have to you know <laughs> prove my weight. You know, I'm I'm older than you, you know what, and, and sorry Daniel, but you know, it's uh it is what it is and, and gosh, I felt I, even during the interview when they interviewed Hemrick after the race, I you know I I mean, what? How do you, how do you talk? You know, from, oh, I know. You know. Well, you know, I mean, one of the, his distinctions, Daniel Hemrick's never won a race in any series he's raced in, but he he has always uh, done very very well. Uh, you know, finishing up in the front. Uh, just not never finishing at the, in the winning position. But I do think this year we are going to see Daniel Hemrick, uh, and it's going to be a huge celebration in victory lane when he gets there. Uh, let me cover the next uh, four, five drivers. Michael Lynette uh, finished in sixth place. Uh, the rookie, Josh Berry, had a good finish in seventh place for Junior Motorsports. Justin Haley, another colleague driver, finished in eighth place. 
and Harrison Burton and Jeff Burton rounds out the top ten. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, Justin Haley, you know, he was the driver that drove by Almondinger after the race, you know, and gave big thumbs up. Of course, they're teammates. You mm-hmm. know, but, um, you know, he drove by, you know, and he gave him a big old thumbs up, you know what, and, um, you know, it was, it was, I was neat to see Harrison Burton, you know, just continue, you know, to be Harrison Burton, you know what, and, and you know, get his good finishes. Um, Jeff Burton, gosh, another top 10 finish, you know, he's really come around this year since he got that full-time ride. You know, I'm sure we're going to see big things from him, you know, hopefully, you know, before this season. But that Josh Berry, mm-hmm. man, boy, did Dale Earnhardt Jr. pick a, pick a winner in that kid. Mm-hmm. He's having a good rookie season. Uh, without a doubt. Jeff Burton, by the way, is the third college racing driver. So three cars for college racing in the top ten. Uh, that that organization overall is having a really good year. Yeah, uh, it, it was. You know what? Other... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just I was just gonna say, you know, that's a big thing, you know, for college racing, you know, for, you know, being the you know, the team that they are, you know, and you know, like Almondinger explained the whole background and everything, you know, about the team, you know, and, and to see, you know, that you know, the kinda of like the little team that could, you know, and get all three mm-hmm. cars in the top ten was you know, was really you know, was really a testament, you know, to like A J said, you know, every team works hard but our team works harder. You know. <laughs> Yeah, you, and and you have to. Uh, that's because it is so competitive in uh, in this Xfinity series now. Uh, some other shout outs that I wanted to do here: uh, Santino Ferrucci uh, <coughs> finished in 13th place. So that's really cool to see. I love that uh, he's racing in the Xfinity series this year. Uh, and then uh, let's see. Just just a lot of really good uh, good uh, finishes. Jeremy Clements with the 17th place finishes. He's had some really good top tens too. But uh, really happy for uh, for uh, the Ferrucci driver, Santino Ferrucci. Is it because he's a uh, foreign foreigner uh, he's in coming- there? Yeah, he's coming. Um, I, I don't know if it's born. He, he, he's coming from a different series. So racing uh, in in the uh, Xfinity series this year. So it's a little bit of an adjustment for him. So for him to have that good of a finish, uh, I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. You know, you know, to come from another you know series like that, especially. You know, like we had talked about, you know, and even some of the drivers have talked about, you know, that most of the drivers, you know, will go through the truck series first, you know, for him to come, you know, through the, you know, to the Infinity Series, you know, and, you know, get his feet wet that way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so let's go ahead and do the points report for the Xfinity Series. They have four races. Okay, let's see what the... Let's see what our um, point standings here tell us. Oxfinity series. Points after Vegas. 
So we've got Austin Sidrick still leading the points. Daniel Hamrick in second. Still hold on a second. Brandon Jones in third. Jeb Burton in fourth and Justin Haley in fifth. Man, what a what a what a top five is that? I mean, last year, two three years ago, Jeb Burton wouldn't have. We only talked about him, you know, just to kind of you know as an honorable mention. And now look at now he's a he's worth the mention, you know, sitting there fourth in points, mm-hmm. you know, on you know in front of his uh, teammate um, Justin Haley. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, Daniel I'm really Emmer, happy for you know, Jeb. Oh yeah, he's a uh, he's really he's going to be one to watch the rest of the season. And then at sixth we have AJ Allmendinger, uh, seventh Matt Snyder who had a who had a had a bad race this year this this week. I mean, you know, after getting his you know his first win, and then Harrison Burton, Jeremy Clements, and Brandon Brown round out the top ten. I think they these go twelve, right? So we go Michael mm-hmm. Annette and then mm-hmm. Noah Gregson. Yeah, Michael and then Noah Gregson. Noah Gregson sure to make a big jump. He was 28th, 29th last week. Uh-huh. 24th. He was 24th right yeah. above, um, right above, uh, oh, man, right above Ryan Vargas. Uh-huh. And he made a huge jump into uh, into 12th with the, what, fourth place finish? Yeah, fifth place finish. So, um, yeah, that yeah, runs out of top right. 12. So. He's on the right side of that bubble. Uh, some surprises uh, below the bubble. We've got Landon Castle in that 13th place spot. He's actually tied with Noah Gregson. Uh, so uh, that's kind of interesting. Then you've got Joe Graff Jr. He's having a good year uh, for his organization uh, in 14th place. But how surprising is it to see Justin Algauer in 15th place? Uh, something I wouldn't have expected. Exactly. You know, I was thinking, yeah, I know. Well, this would have been the week to have Joe on because then we could have told Joe, hey, you know, you're tied with one of the top drivers, you know, exactly. with uh, Justin Algaier. But what about Riley Herbst down in 19th? I mean, I never expected for him to be that low, especially racing, um, you know, the 98 car for um, Stuart Haas Racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really kind of surprised. He's, he's struggling a little bit in that 98 we know it's a good car, uh, but here's the thing. I think overall, Stuart Haas Racing has been struggling, and we might talk about that when we get into the Cup Series, and I know it's one of our hot topics tonight, too. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a surprise to see Riley uh, in 19th place. I kind of thought he'd be higher than that. Uh, Josh Berry, just a, a shout-out for him as well. He's the rookie, highest rookie in 16th place, he's actually just one point behind Justin Algauer and Joe Graff Jr. So I'm excited in some respects to see these guys um, get an opportunity to be on that bubble and to be, you know, within within grasp for being in the playoffs. Uh, and I think as the season progresses, we, we might see some movement there. We'll have to kind of see how it continues to play out. You know what? It actually, um, uh, a friend of mine who does photography for NASCAR, he's, he does all the stuff for Joe Gibbs Racing. And he said that, um, and I don't know why they don't have Mark this week, but Ty Gibbs is running for Rookie of the Year this year. Yes. Even, even though he's not running the full way. season. Yeah, they don't have yeah, a Mark. Was... But last week, they had, they had a Mark last week. But this well, week, they, they don't have they, a Mark. They, they... 
they announced some more sponsorship for him after he got that win with his first race out. Uh, they they went out and tried to get some more sponsorship for him, and they were successful in doing that. So I do hope that Ty Gibbs uh, goes for it. And, I, again, I think we're going to see some good things from him. Um, but Josh Berry, you got to shout out to Josh Berry, too, being in that 16th spot in a very, very competitive field in the Xfinity Series. There's some good names that are below, um, that are kind of down on the list. Ryan Seed, uh, you know, I, I expected, uh, we saw some really good finishes from him last year. So it's surprising to see him down on this list as well. So uh, Boy, how, I can't how, wait how to see luck. what unfolds for the rest yeah. of the season. But how bad of luck is that to run through the grass? And he's the only one that went through the grass that tore his car up. Everyone else went through and nothing happened. But, yeah, he mm-hmm. barely hit the corner, and his car already ripped, started ripping apart. And then when he went through the rest, then there went the front of the, the rest of the car. And I'm thinking nobody else that had went through the grass had that problem. I know. Isn't that something? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Sal, it it. it this Xfinity series is, I think, a super competitive field, and uh, they've had some pretty exciting racing. I've enjoyed watching them uh, this year, as I have the last couple of years, and uh, I think I think it's going to be fun to watch them the rest of the season. Uh, let's do a setup for our guest that's coming up, Sal, uh, and I'll let you know. Let's see, let me check. He's not here yet, but as soon as he gets here, I'll bring him into the queue for you. Yeah, our next guest is Christian McGee. He's a uh, he's one of our locals out here on the West Coast. Um, gosh, he, Christian's been racing for forever too. He's um, he started in way back in the Bandolero days here at um, at uh, Erndale Speedway. I, I'm not sure, but he might have been part of the um, part of the quarter midgets and all that. But he's he's um, he's put his time in. Um, last season, he, he races for um. It, it's called Garcia. This year, he's racing for Garcia Racing, and I know his dad sponsors. He's got a actually. He's got a whole. He, he's got a whole list of sponsors that he. That he'll. I know he'll thank for this race, but um, his his his. His main series, I guess, he's, would be like the SRLs is what he really it's where he really put a lot of time in. He put a lot of time in late models, and then he's put some time in super late. But he's racing this year for for Mike Garcia and Garcia Racing, which is a, a racing um a team out here in a in a, in California that um, that put together the team and, and actually picked uh, Christian up. But Mike Garcia himself, gosh, he's been around for he's been around for ages racing too he's had a lot of different teams a lot racing a lot of different series as a team owner and um picked up picked, picked up christian you know and uh and from there you know they, they went on, you know to uh and, and they actually they, they just won one yeah i was just gonna say that the chili willie yeah yeah that was a actually that was a big race for them um last year he missed a couple races because of uh because of because of illnesses and stuff like that but um, you know, for him to bounce back and get this win, it was it was a really emotional win, um, in Victory Lane, probably one of the most e- emotional Victory Lanes that I've seen, that I've been part of in a long time. I mean, it was just really, it was really neat. His dad made the trip out to Tucson and 
it was well worth the trip for his dad because he got to see his son win. And and um, it, it's 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 been a tooth and nail fight for a long time with this team. So it was it was good, really really good to see them get the win. I was really really happy for him and well deserved win. Yes, indeed. Well, Christian is here, Sal. If you want to go ahead and introduce them and start the interview, that would be great. All right, our next guest is Christian McGee from out here uh Southern California, races Southwest uh SRO Southwest Tour and um man, he just uh he's been all over the place and um actually he's got a, a really good uh schedule coming up too now that they picked up the win, finally got that monkey off his back and got that big win at this race and um gosh, what more can we say about it? Uh welcome to the show, Christian. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, been a long road to this to this win. I know you spoke a little bit about it in Victory Lane, and um, I know last year, you know, you guys had you and Mike Garcia had really high hopes, you know, and then, you know, of course, you know, some things happened, you know, during the course of the season, you know, you weren't able to fulfill a lot of the races, but to start the season out, you know, out here at um, actually you started Urindale and had some issues out there, but then you're able to bounce back and get that chilly Willie 150 win a couple of weeks ago at, at uh, Tucson. I know that was huge, not only for the team, but also for, you know, you yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, can you hear me? Because I'm having trouble hearing you. It was like breaking up on my end. You got me? Can you hear him, Sharon? Yeah, I can hear him. Okay, yeah, all right. I can I'll hear talk. You. And if you can't hear me, then you can let me know. But yeah, no, it was good. Um, we, like you mentioned back at Irwindale, we uh, we had a we had a pretty good car all weekend. We weren't the best, but I think it was going to race well. And then we had some tire issues in the main event, and that kind of bummed me out. But it was good to know that we, you know, found the problem as opposed to just thinking, you know, going home and thinking that the car was ill handling or whatever. Um, and then going into Tucson. I'm really good at that track. I like it. And uh, we've had some success there in the past, or I have as a driver. Just uh, I really like the short tracks and the tracks that are demanding as a driver. And uh, we were good all weekend. Um, we unloaded on Friday, and uh, or Thursday, car was good. And then Friday, we uh, qualified on the pole, let every lap in the prelim night. And so that kind of set the tone for the weekend. And then... You know, Saturday practice, qualified second, locked us into the show, and then uh, one of my crew members, unfortunately, had to, we had to take him to urgent care. Um, he, hit, he got hit with a piece of the track, so that got us out of racing Saturday night, and uh, which was a curse and a blessing, I guess you could say. I mean, it was um, it was good, but because it didn't really show everybody else how good we really were, and uh, it was bad because obviously you don't want to see anyone get hurt, and then. Um, you know, you know, you always wonder if you needed that extra practice session, uh, 50 lap race to kind of groove the car in, but it worked out. And, uh, Sunday we were in victory lane. You know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, about, you know, what happened with the track coming apart, you know, cause that was the problem we were having all weekend. But when that happened and you guys couldn't race, you know, the, you know, the, one of the heat races on Saturday night, did it kind of take you back to Erndale and say, oh, my gosh, don't tell me we're going to start having, you know, because, you know, Erndale, everybody, there was a lot of tire issues, you know, which the SROs is actually they're working them out for getting them ready for the for the current race. But um, did it did it kind of put something in the 
back of your guy's head and say, oh, no, don't tell me that something's, something's going to happen again this weekend? Well, I'm pretty used to that, actually, because I have uh, the worst <laughs> luck known to man. So um, I'm used to it, but I was just worried that we weren't going to get the whole 150 laps in if the track was coming apart. And uh, also, I didn't. I was worried about, you know, if we fell back in the pack trying to save tires, you've got more of a chance of somebody in front of you kicking up a piece of debris and maybe going through the radiator and ending your night early or whatever the case may be, getting a flat tire or uh, breaking a sway bar or whatever the case may be. So that was kind of the worry uh, that was in the back of my mind. So um, I really didn't want to run as hard as I did in the beginning of the race, uh, but I felt that was necessary. And I guess I ran hard enough to keep the rest of the field behind me and, you know, not hard enough to save tires, I guess. So it all worked out. So, so kind of take us a little bit in, in the in the last year, you know, and you know, the, you know, you guys were, you know, you know, getting ready for the whole season. Then, you know, with your, you know, with your Fury race car, you know, and uh, you know, so uh, you know, some payday races that were on your schedule. Yeah, well, we actually got the Fury. We didn't get the Fury till the middle to end of the year of the year, um, but. Yeah, we had a plan to run uh, the big races. I don't really mind going to, uh, you know, I like the Kearns, the Vegas. Bummer we don't get to go back, but I don't really care for the short tracks like Stockton and Roseville unless we're points racing and Madeira. That's just not really my kind of racing. I mean, it's it's fun every now and then, but um, it's not my cup of tea. I'd rather race, uh, you know, tracks like Bakersfield, Irwindale, uh, Tucson, tracks like that where it's you know multiple grooves and you're not getting the fenders beat off you every lap um so that was kind of what led us to the decision we made in not running the full season and um and yeah that's kind of where we're going this this season as well Hmm. interesting now with that christian you know we have our uh, our um the host of the show sharon i know she has some questions for you too hey christian how you doing I'm doing well. How are you? Very well. And I was so happy to see uh, that you had this win with the Chili Willy 150. Uh, And Sal was saying uh, that it was a very emotional win for you. Uh, Talk a little bit about some of the things you've had to go through to get to this point uh, that made it emotional for you. Yeah, it was actually. I was embarrassed to watch the interview after when I was crying on the front stretch. Um, I got choked oh, up. Be. I didn't really cry, but but it was good. I mean, I don't really get emotional. I get upset a lot when I don't do well or when we don't perform, but um, I don't really ever show the happy emotion side. But um, it's just it's been so long. It's been a while since I've won a, a race, and I haven't really won a big race like that in the super late. Mo- I haven't won a race at all in the super late models, let alone a big one. So to get the first super late win uh, under my belt and out of the way. And especially at a big race like that, the chili Willie, it was good. It was, it was a f- nice feeling to, you know, reassure myself that I can still do it and run with, you know, some pretty top tier teams. There wasn't everybody that, you know, runs a tour wasn't at that race, but there were still quality cars and uh, a handful of really good drivers. So that was a good feeling. And that was just kind of, it brought me back to the glory days of running late models at Irwindale and, uh, back when I was, you know, younger, 16, 17, 18, and 
and able to win pretty much every track I went to on the weekend and every weekend I raced. So it was good to know that I've still got it in me, and uh, I think it's just a good confidence boost for the next few races to come. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, and does that kind of open a door for you to other opportunities? Um, I'd like to think so, but unfortunately, racing is all about money. So um, I don't really think it matters how good you are. Um, that helps, certainly, but really, any more of these days, you don't really get uh, a chance just because you're performing well. Um, I mean, you could win, you know, 10 races out of 15, and it's not really going to change anything. It might get you talked about, but I don't think you'll really necessarily get a ride out of it. Uh, but who knows? You know, there's, it's not to say it can't happen. It's just not likely. Okay. And then I wanted to ask about your team members, though, too, the, the one that was hurt. How's he doing now? Yeah, Bob, I think he's doing well. Um, he is uh, – I actually haven't talked to him since the race, but he uh, he got checked out that night, and uh, thankfully there was no broken bones or no uh, internal bleeding. So he was he was in pain and swollen, but other than that, I think he was doing all right. Okay, well, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear. And then, um, Christian, how involved are you with the car and the setup and all of that? Because I know when you're talking about a late model, um, uh, you don't have the luxury sometimes of uh, just getting in the car and racing it. You you need to be pretty well involved, right? Yeah, I would. I mean, I'm definitely on the on the side of not involved more than a lot of the guys. Oh. Um, the team that I drive for is out of Lodi, which is like seven hours from me. So not necessarily something I can just go uh, pop in and say gotcha. hello and, you know, hang out with the guys. But um, I feel like I have a general what goes on and, you know, the mechanics to make the car go around the track. But for the most part, no, I, I mean, I don't lay a hand on the car throughout the week and, and at the racetrack. I'm just, you know, trying to focus on relaying the information as best as I can and just drive the thing. Exactly. And, and drive the thing is exactly what you did <laughs> to win the Chili <laughs> Willie yeah. 150. Yeah. So, uh, again, congratulations to you on that victory. I was I was real happy to see that. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Sal, I'm going to toss it back to you in case you've got some more questions for Christian. Yeah. Hey, Christian, let, let, let's talk about what it's like to race for Mike Garcia, because I know in the past, you know, you even mentioned, too, you know, you know, you race with different teams, you know, and then um, Mike Garcia came around. How did, all, how did this whole relationship come about? Well, actually, I think my dad was um, on Facebook. He really spends a lot of his free time on Facebook. Not sure why, but um, he's on that thing a lot. And I guess he saw an ad that Garcia put out about renting a modified. And so we did that, and we ran uh, Bakersfield and Irwindale with them in the modifieds. And then uh, we, we gelled, and I liked the team. I liked Mike, and uh, we did all right. So I think that was kind of like a opened up the door, and my dad asked him, I guess, if they wanted to do some tour races. And so Mike went out and uh, looked for a car and acquired one and got the guys together and made a commitment, and here we are. You know, it's it's funny because, you know, I know in the past, you know, we've, you know, we've talked, well, we've talked a lot, you know, and, and you know, like you said, you know, your dad spends a lot of time on Facebook, you know, and, 
you know, and, you know, his reason on there, of course, you know, is, you know, he's a businessman, so strictly business. But, um, you know, going back into your into your career, you know what, and, you know, knowing, you know, that I think it was Nick, Nick Joe in the 90s was one of your biggest coaches and um, supporters, wasn't he? Yeah, growing up through the ranks, bando days to legends, trucks and late models and whatnot, and even up until uh, – I mean, all the way till today, he's still spotted for me. Um, I don't have him spotting right now, but uh, he did spot a handful of races last year. I think all of the SRL races. So, yeah, he's been uh, he's been with me since the beginning. So, how was how was the transition to go from, you know, to now having, you know, I think your spotter is Tim Carr, you know, and basically having, you know, the guards, you know, having the whole Garcia team you know, back there, you know, and, you know, really, you know, I know Nick's doing his own thing, but I'm sure you and Nick still talk a lot, you know, but but making the transition from having Nick all those years to now, you know, try to transitioning over to, to Garcia Racing. Yeah, it, I'm pretty easy going as far as what I like to hear in the race car. I'm, I don't like a lot of information. Um, you know, these last few races, I've had Tim actually provide a lot of information just because uh, the you know, the certain race that we've been at or the track requires lap times from other cars when you're pacing yourself and whatnot. But for the most part, I'm pretty simple. I don't like to hear much um, while I'm driving as long as, you know, as long as the guy keeps me out of trouble, that's really all I need. So the transition wasn't, you know, awful. Um, It was fairly easy, actually. But I think it's just good to have the same guys week in and week out, and that really helps form as a team and uh, start to really work together well. And, you know, keeping the same crew chief, I've gone through many crew chiefs over the years just because I've, you know, I've never really stayed with one team and ran a full season. I always do, you know, half races here, a couple races there. So that's kind of been harder on me. And I think that's really what hasn't uh, led to more success. But, um, you know, the longer you stay with a guy, you guys really figure each other out and even the whole team and you really start to understand one another. So I think that'll be a, you know, a positive going forward, as long as everything continues to trend in the right direction, you should be all right. You know, and actually, you know, I know your dad is like one of your biggest supporters. You know, I seen him in the, um, I seen him in the stands after the race, you know, I come on, Lloyd, come down. He's looking like, I can't go down. I said, not come on down. But what's it like to have your dad and your girlfriend both, you know, victory lane, you know, after winning, you know, the, you know, the, the chilling really 150. I mean, your, your guys are just yelling and screaming. We want it. We want it. You know, then, you know, then, you know, see your dad and your girlfriend come down, you know, congratulate you. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Um, I know my, like you said, my dad's one of my biggest supporters. He is my biggest supporter and he wants to, he wants to win just as bad as I do, if not more. So to finally get him one is, was really cool. And, um, looking up in the stands is what made me tear up because everybody was all teary-eyed, you know, crying. And um, so that that's kind of what made me go on the soft end. But, yeah, it's cool. Um, he's always he's done everything for me, uh, you know, personal life and racing life. Just got me where I am today, and I couldn't have done it without him. So I'm sure he's listening. So that's for you, Dad. So at the end of the race, did you guys go back to the trailer and do all kinds of disco dancing in Mike's disco trailer, or what happened? <laughs> no, I actually uh, once we passed Tech, I actually had to get out of there. I had a handful of people with us, and we were on the plane was waiting for us to get back home. So 
Um, I had to leave. I wanted to hang out and party with the guys, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for next time, and hopefully it's not too long from now. Sharon, the reason I said that is Mike has these, these neon lights inside his trailer, and, and then he's got the music blasting. And I told Christian when I was over there, I said, the only thing missing is a, is a, is a mirrored disco ball. I said that he would have the whole <laughs> the whole dancing going on inside the trailer, but it, it's, it's a really cool setup, really awesome team to be around. And, uh, you know, Christian, I, I just want to say congratulations and get on that win. You know, good luck the rest of the season. And uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sharon so she can close out the um, interview. Oh, okay. Well, Christian, again, we're real happy uh, for your victory. We hope it's uh, it's just the beginning of many more to come here. And uh, I expect I'll be watching your Facebook page uh, to see if you've got any other wins coming up here. When's your next race? Uh, it's Bakersfield with the Southwest Tour in, I believe, two weeks. Okay. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what happens there. Uh, Christian, thanks for being on. And... Uh, uh, stay in touch with us, okay? Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take care now. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. That is Christian McGee. He's driver of the number 71 uh, in the Super Late Models. And uh, I'm sorry we had to kind of rush him off there, but uh, we've got to get into our Cup Series review. Uh, and I'm going to go over the top ten there. Race number four for the Cup Series out at Las Vegas this weekend, Sal. They raced on Sunday. Another exciting win and another uh, emotional driver, uh, and that was Kyle Larson in Victory Lane, uh, driving the number five for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, A really great finish for him, and how great was it for Brad Keselowski to run out there and congratulate him. Brad finished second, uh, so really good to see, see that happening. Yeah, it was. You know what? I was really happy to see Brad, actually to see any driver run out there, you know, but I mean, Brad just, it seems like Brad, a lot of people don't like him, but you know what? Brad has just really taken over the role of like, you know, Jeff Gordon, we always talk about the, he's the ambassador of the sport, you know, Brad mm-hmm. in, a, in a really silent way has kind of done that because after every victory, Brad always honors America with driving out the American flag. And he's the only driver that does that, you know, so that, that in itself, you know, it is a lot of respect for Brad, but, um, you know, he's always giving kudos to drivers. You know what? You don't hear him bad about the drivers like he used to anymore. You know, if he has a rip, mm-hmm. with one, you know what? Hey, you know what? It, it's over and done with, you know? So, you know, it was neat to see, you know, Brad go out there, you know, and give the kudos, you know, to Kyle Larson who deserved it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then I was real happy for Kyle Larson to get that win just four races into the season here. Uh, and then Kyle Busch uh, came in in third place, Denny Hamlin in fourth, and Ryan Blaney rounds out the top five here. Good to see Ryan Blaney have a good finish. Yeah, it was. You know, Kyle Busch, even before he finished third, you know what, even he had a – his post-race interviews was spot on. You know what, he – I didn't blame nobody, you know what, um, you know, everybody knows what happened you know, with, with the crew chief situation, you know, and, you know, all they said, you know, was that, you know, he just went straight into, you know, what happened, you know, this week, you know, gave like a little race report and we were a really good solid interview by Kyle Bush. I was glad to hear his interview too. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. It was. Um, let's go over the next five drivers. Martin Truex Jr. came in sixth. Another great finish for Christopher Bell, uh, kind of rebounding from last week. Uh, he came in in seventh. William Byron in eighth. Joey Logano with a ninth-place finish. And how about Eric Jones uh, rounding out the top ten there? Oh, my gosh. I was waiting for you to get to the tenth spot. Man. Eric Jones, put him in a put him in something competitive and you know, Eric like he's you know he's just wanting to bust out, you know what, and Richard Payne's giving him that opportunity, you know, and Eric he's taking advantage of it. I'm I'm sure we're gonna see a lot more, you know, finishes like that from Eric. He's always been a good tough driver. Yes. Yes, I've always liked Eric Jones and uh uh, I think he's going to be good for Richard Petty Motorsports, and uh, I'm thankful that Richard Petty Motorsports um, kept him in this sport. It's uh, it's going to be a good thing, I think. Um, this race was uh, 267 laps covering 400.5 miles. The margin of victory was pretty significant, 3.156 seconds. Uh, the number two car, that's Brad Keselowski, uh, won the first stage, Kyle Larson won the second stage, and, of course, the third stage. Uh, this is Kyle's seventh victory in the Cup Series uh, this year. So that was, uh, again, really cool to see him uh, get that victory. Uh, six question flags for 30 laps and 27 lead changes among 12 drivers. Uh, the highest finishing rookie, of course, was uh, Chase Bristol. He came in 21st place. Anthony Alfredo was uh, in 24th, just three spots behind him. So those are the two rookies uh, competing this year. So uh, good to see both of them uh, have a fairly decent finish at a, at a tough track. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's ironic because they said it's been over 20 years since that paint scheme that Kyle Larson ran has been on the track. And it was, that was back when um, yes. Ricky Hendricks. When Rick Ricky Hendrick uh, uh, ran ran that paint scheme, you know, then it, you know, Kyle, of course, Kyle Larson took the victory lane. So I think that was kind of, you know, I'm sure it was an emotional win for Rick Hendrick himself, you know. Yeah, I'm sure it was too. And uh, I know uh, I'm going to go ahead and cover the points report here too, Sal, because uh, uh, I know you're behind the wheel. And we want to keep your focus on the road there. Um, This was the 24th annual Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube Series Point Standing. Um, And Denny Hamlin is still at the top of that list. Uh, But in second place is Brad Keselowski. Kyle Larson is in third place. And uh, behind him is Chase Elliott and then Christopher Bell. Rounds out the top five there, just one point between uh, first and I mean fourth and fifth, and then actually Christopher Bell is tied with Joey Logano, uh, but he's got the edge with that victory, so puts him in that fifth place spot. Yeah, Christopher Bell's really having a heck of a season, a lot better season than what he had last year. I mean, he had a pretty good solid season last year, but seemed like a sophomore season, which is which is into the season that the drivers have the most issues with. Uh, Chris yeah, Bell usually. Really stepping up to the, yeah, he's really stepping up to the plate in the sophomore season. He is, he is. 
Uh, going with the next slide, we've got Joey Logano, as I mentioned, tied with Christopher Bell in sixth place. Then it's Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., Michael McDowell, and Kurt Busch rounds out the top ten drivers. Uh, and then the next six drivers, because it's 16 drivers that go to the playoffs here, you've got William Byron, Austin Dillon, Ryan Priest, Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, and Chris Busher is on top of the uh, cut line there in 16th place. And he is uh, actually just two points ahead of Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who is in 17th place. And then you've got Alex Bowman, Cole Custer, and Bubba Wallace rounding out the top 20 there. So some interesting names in this group, Sal. Oh, yeah, there is. You know, it's um... – season's getting started, you know, teams are, you know, I'm sure they made a lot of, uh, you know, changes in the off season, you know, with the, you know, with the packages and stuff like that, you know, and some teams are on, you know, have already gotten it. And of course, you know, you got the teams that are still struggling with it, but I'm sure as the season goes on, you know, we'll see these teams, you know, you know, kind of get it together, you know, when it start having, you know, the finishes that we're used to seeing them having. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things I think we'll be talking about on Hot Topics is Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, they don't seem to be having the season that we expect from them either. Uh, I, I was thinking about Kevin Harvick. He's seventh in the series point standings. And then, you know, you've got um, uh, Chase Briscoe. Uh, he's a Stuart Haas Racing driver. He's in the 26th spot. Uh, and I'm looking for, where did I see Eric Amarola? For some reason, I can't see Eric Amarola on here. Maybe he's so far down that, that uh, they ran out of paper. <laughs> yeah, that surprises me, though, because he, he typically is a, is a really good driver, and I, I yeah, he's, he's a good right all-around. Yeah, he's a he really is. good all-around. Oh, there he is. He's in 28th place. So yeah, it, we don't we're not expecting that from Stuart Haas Racing. So uh, you got and Cole Custer is in 19th place. So yeah, it's not what you expect from Stuart Haas Racing. So I hope that by the second half of the season we see some of those guys moving up that list. Yeah, that's, you know, and, and that's a good hot topic, you know, is, you know, you know, is to talk about that and, um, you know, the, you know, the Stuart Haas, because not only are they struggling in the cup, they're also struggling. Their affinity team has never struggled mm-hmm. this bad, you know? So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not just, and, and last year when they, when two years ago, when they had a little bit of, when the cup team was struggling, the Xfinity team was strong because Cole Custer was right up there in the mix, you know, as far as the playoffs. But I mean, now they're having yep. trouble all the way around, but, but the cup series is, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be taking its shape here pretty quick. I, I think within the next three, four weeks, you know, we're going to start seeing, you know, a lot of different, um, a lot of different um, scenarios being played out. I agree. I agree, Sal. So I think we'll see some changes uh, as the season progresses. 
but real happy for the guys that are up there right now. Real happy for the win for Kyle Larson, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens at Phoenix coming up this weekend. Uh, maybe we'll see the Stuart House guys come a lot there. Um, now, Sal, uh, what are you doing this weekend? Are you going to be able to get to a racetrack? Yeah, Orindale is having we're having our opening night this weekend, so um, I'll be up at uh, Erndale Speedway for the for our opening night, which will be our late model program, um, spec late trucks, uh, legends, and then we're having I think a super stock race, and they're throwing in an enduro race too. So, looking forward to getting our season started over here. Um, Tim's made some changes at the end of the season last year, going into this season. So this way, you know, we, we could still race, you know, even though, cause we're still under, under strict COVID protocol here in California. So hats off to mm-hmm. Tim Huddleston and Bob Brincotti, you know, for, um, you know, for keeping the track open and, and actually we're having our, usually we have a banquet, you know, to give all the awards out. But this Saturday mm-hmm. we're doing it on on the track, you know. So Tim couldn't have a banquet, but he's still going to have an award ceremony, you know, to give all the awards oh, out. Cool. You know, so that's going to, yeah. So he's he's still, you know, doing something, you know, for the drivers, which is neat. But um, uh, that that's that's going to be my weekend right there. Well, it sounds like a fun one, and I I hope you uh, do well and and have a good time out there at the racetrack. Oh, I'm sure I will. I hope I hope to. <laughs> okay, well, be careful out there on the road, Sal, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. I know we've got Bill Lester coming on next week, so uh, he wrote a book. We'll talk to him about the book that he wrote, and then he recently announced he's going to be in the truck series uh, coming up at Atlanta, so uh, looking forward to the conversation with Bill Lester next week. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that interview. Um Boy, this is one that I'm I'm not going to want to miss. So um, and then I'm working on a guest for this week. So we'll have well, for next week. I mean, we'll have we'll have somebody on. Um, I'm not sure who. There's a couple of people I've been talking to. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll get the keep the ball rolling here. You know, with the race reports and then um, you know, you know, getting guests and stuff like that. So keep our our listeners. Okay. Uh, you know, looking forward to more. Okay, well, thanks, Sal, and uh, uh, I look forward to talking to you again on uh, Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, good night, everybody. Have a good evening. Stay safe. Wear your mask, and I hope this COVID thing ends up pretty soon so we can get back to normal. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Take care. All right, that was uh, Sal Segala, and it is at the top of the hour, one minute past, and that means it's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us uh, for tonight, Andy's not able to be here, but we have Jay Huseman on board. Welcome to the show, Jay. All right, thank you, Sharon. Uh, I know Andy's been staying busy. Uh, Hopefully we have him here back uh, on Thursday. I think he said he might be uh, available. Yes, indeed, I think so. And then also Mike Orzell is here tonight. Welcome, Hello. Mike. And uh, we have some. We have another fan for racing crew member tonight. I think this is his first appearance on our Hot Topic Sound Off, and I'm really excited uh, to bring Owen into the show tonight. Welcome, welcome, Owen. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. 
now, the way this works, Owen, is uh, well, you listen to the show, right? Uh, I haven't actually gotten a chance to. I just oh, am okay. getting kind of caught up on. I'm def- I'm just excited to see how it works tonight. Honestly, get things rolling a little bit. Okay, well, here's how it works. Uh, we'll start off uh, with somebody giving us our first topic. Then we go around the horn, so to say. Everybody gives their thoughts about that topic. And then we go back to the person that brought up the topic to get their thoughts. Um, and then we do a repeat round for follow-up commentary. And then we close it out and go on to the next topic. So, Jay, we're going to have you kick it off. And then we'll go to Mike, and we'll go to you next, Sterling. So, Jay, what's our first topic for tonight? Well, I'm kind of debating here. I know it is one that Owen posted on there, so he wants to talk about it. And you and Sal were kind of talking about it. So, uh, hopefully by yeah. the time it comes to him, he has another one in mind. But we'll, we'll talk about Stuart Haas <laughs> Racing here first. Um you know, they struggled yet again, it seemed, over the weekend at Las Vegas, and I know you and Sal were just talking about it as you wrapped up the uh, the show here tonight leading into Hot Topics. So we'll kick it off with that. Okay. So, Owen, since that was your topic, why don't we go to you first and get your thoughts about uh, what's happening at Stuart Haas Racing? Yeah, it's been kind of surprising to see how slowly they've started the year, um, especially – for me, looking at the 10 car, that was one of the more consistent cars in the entire series for the majority of last season. I mean, he didn't, he never had great luck at Daytona, but last year he kind of got onto a roll. Uh, I do think part of it is not having qualifying, and with the poor start at Daytona, he's had to start near the back, and the car just hasn't had the speed to make up much uh, ground at all. I think all four cars have a negative pass differential for the season, so uh they yeah they just they look like they're lacking some speed compared to usual yeah it is surprising so mike what are your thoughts well the start uh, the slide with store haas racing kind of started towards the end of last season they were really hot in the mid to late summer with Eric Almarola going on that nine-race top ten streak. Kevin Harvick obviously won every other race through the summer, it seemed like. And then kind of they coasted into the playoffs, and then that momentum really fizzled out as the playoffs progressed. And we saw Kevin Harvick, who everyone expected, you know, they were writing his name in on on the championship trophy, and he didn't even make the final round. Um, so I would say that the slide with Stuart Haas really started at the end of last season. And, and it, unfortunately that negative momentum was really carried into this season. Um, Chase Briscoe, as, as much as it's going to pain Andy, not me, but Andy to hear me say this, I'm not surprised <laughs> with the struggles that Chase Briscoe's had. Um, if, if the past probably five years or so has told us anything is don't put a lot of faith in a hot new rookie. Um, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of hype about these rookie classes that have been coming in. Um, and, you know, with Chase Elliott and uh, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Eric Jones, et cetera, and every single one of them has taken several years to really get up to speed. And a lot of them really haven't up to this point. They've gotten better. But out of all the hot rookies we've seen over the past about five to eight years, really only Chase Elliott has matured into a weekly threat to win races. There's still a lot of potential out there, uh, but a lot of those rookies still haven't lived up to that world beater, you know, 
new, hot new thing that they were built out to be. I have every bit of faith that Chase Briscoe will play out and be a strong contender in that 14 car, but I'm not surprised to see him struggling at this point this year. What I am surprised about, no one talked about it, is the inconsistency of Eric Amarola in the 10 car, as well as with Kevin Harvick as well. Um, like we said, Amarola was probably the most consistent driver with Stuart Haas last year. Even though he didn't get a win, he was a consistent top 10 threat for the, the entire year, at least until the end of the season. So to see him struggle so much this year at tracks that he tends to be fairly decent at is concerning, and hopefully they can get that sorted out and right the ship and start put, uh, putting together a little bit stronger performances as the season grows. Yeah, yeah. You know, putting this all into perspective, Kevin Harvick's the only uh, Stuart Haas racing driver who's in the top ten. Last year they had all four drivers uh, in the group that went to the playoffs. Uh, So right now that's only Kevin Harvick. Uh, You've got Cole Custer in 19th place. You've got uh, uh, Chase Briscoe, as you mentioned, he's the top rookie. He's in 26th place with Anthony Alfredo right behind him. But behind Chase Briscoe and Anthony Alfredo is Eric Almarola. I think that is a huge uh, difference from last year uh, and uh, a clear indication that something's not quite right. And then, you know, you had... Kevin Harvick, who had, what, eight eight wins or something like that the year before last year um, and uh, was not able to kind of follow that up the following season, which is tough to do anyway. But, yeah, Stuart House Racing just isn't hitting the mark this season, and uh, it, it's very much a surprise. But I agree with Mike. Um, I, I expect it from Chase Briscoe because – uh, it is a huge transition to go from an Xfinity car to the heavier cup car. And uh, as Mike points out, a lot of the rookies do struggle with that when they first come into the series. Uh, but I, I, too, have a lot of confidence in Chase. I think he'll figure it out. I think by the second half of the season, uh, hopefully if Stuart House Racing figures out what's going on there, we'll see better finishes uh, from from him and the rest of his team. But uh, it's a head-scratcher to see them struggling this this much uh, just four races into the season already. Uh, they've got a big hole in some cases to kind of crawl out of uh, in order to all four of them make the playoffs this season. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, I think both Mike and you, Sharon, hit on, hit on a couple of points. I'll start with Mike. So it did seem like they kind of trailed off at the end of last year. Um, I don't know if they went in a, in a different direction with the car or something. Uh, you know, we see, we've seen that before. It happens uh, to get back on track. But also, you've you got to look at it from an, a, a total perspective. Up until yesterday, uh, Harvick finished, I believe, 19th, either 17th or 19th. That was the first race out of the first three he didn't finish in the top 10. Now, is that really struggling, or is it because based on his nine, I believe it was nine wins last year, almost a third of the races that we're seeing him win every third race uh, or finish second behind Danny Hamlin, who also had multiple victories. So just like we've seen with Kyle Busch, the standard gets set so high that if they're not winning every three races, even a top five looks like they're struggling or a top ten. 
Now, for the rest of the organization, I think it's always kind of been that way. It's Kevin Harvick and then the rest of Stuart Haas Racing. And you mentioned Eric Almirola. Yes, he did have a very good string of top tens. I don't remember uh, where the record was at or the, the streak he had. Um, but we've also seen many other teams have a rough start for whatever the reason, their own doing, caught up in other situations. The schedule we had with the Daytona 500 and then the road course did kind of put some top teams in a bit of a hole. So I think it's a little early to start saying, hey, they're done. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the championship and all that. Uh, We fully expect it, just as we do with Kyle Busch. You know, there's always that exception. I say you can't stay on top of the mountain forever because as you're riding that momentum and doing good, other teams are working extremely hard to catch you, you know, so – not to say the teams don't work hard to stay on top, but when, when you're at a good spot, you kind of, I want to say stagnate, stagnate but plateau because you feel you are the best until somebody else catches you. That's true. Owen, uh, any follow-up comments that you want to make? Yeah, I think it's interesting also just looking at how other teams have started the season and how that's going to affect the playoff picture. And uh, Yeah, it's early and it's kind of hard to look 22 races into the future and think about, you know, who's going to be on the bubble, who's not when it really comes playoff time. But the 10, the 14, especially, they've dug themselves huge holes and points early in the season. And I think the 21 of the Benedetto is another guy who's way down there. Uh, even four races into the year, that's a big hole that they're going to have to dig out of. And there are a lot of other cars that are running surprisingly well that they're going to have to pass. Plus you got, I mean, McDowell is a surprise winner. You could consider Bell a surprise winner. I know he's in better equipment, but still not someone we thought would win this early. Uh, definitely is shaking things up. And obviously there are probably five or six other drivers that are essentially guaranteed a playoff spot just based on previous performance. And uh, you just begin to run out of spaces. And every race really does matter, especially for a guy like Almirola who – we're so used to running consistently, so used to, at the very least, bringing the car home clean in the top 15. Uh, we've seen him really with issues in all four races, and that's just been something that's a bit concerning to watch. Okay, good points there. Mike? Yeah, follow-up? Jay really hit on it with the Yeah, Jay hit on it with the cyclical nature where certain seasons, certain teams dominate, and then they kind of fade away. In the you know the late '90s into the 2000s, it was Roush, uh, Roush or what is now Roush Fenway, uh, was the dominant team, and then Hendrick Motorsports came along. They became the dominant team. More recently, it's been Joe Gibbs Racing, and to a lesser extent, Stuart Haas. This year, it looks like it's setting up to be probably the most dominant run by Hendrick Motorsports since the team won half of the races in 2007. If they keep going on their current trend, um, so. Maybe Stuart Haas is caught in kind of that cyclical downturn. Maybe, maybe not. The other point that Owen brings up is with the playoff picture. That's already, it's a ways away, but it's, it's already something that you need to start thinking about, especially if you're a guy like Eric Almirola. Almirola is a consistent driver, but he's notorious for not winning races. He's only won two total races in his career, and only one was Stuart Haas racing at Talladega three years ago. So unless the 10 team starts winning, 
this is going to be the kind of year where just a string of consistent performances like they've benefited from in previous seasons, that might not be enough to make it into the playoffs, especially like you said, when you've got uh, teams like Michael McDowell, William Byron and Christopher Bell all winning super early. Well, a lot of people had those teams penciled in as this is going to be our guys who are racing for those 14th to 16th place spots to get into the playoffs. And now all of a sudden these guys are locked into the playoffs. So that has displaced those teams like Eric Almarola, Matt Benedetto, uh, Cole Custer is another one uh, with Stuart Haas racing who, yes, he won a race last year, but he would be another one if he didn't win would probably be right around that uh, 16th place cutoff. And all these teams as early as we are in the season, I'm sure they're looking at it right now and they're probably sweating just a little bit harder than they were prior to going into the season with some of the unexpected turns this season has taken so far. Yeah. You guys all bring up a uh, really good point. So Matt Benedetto, by the way, we mentioned Eric Almarola was 28th in points. Matt Benedetto is 30th in points. So, and I worry about him as well because he has, this is his last year at Wood Brothers. So he needs to have a good season in order to uh, draw attention for him to get a ride for this next year. So uh, these are storylines definitely to keep your eye on. But another point that I don't think has been mentioned yet, that I remember hearing some conversation about this, uh, early in the season is that the, the, a lot of times what happens is that when a team like Kevin Harvick in 2019, when he was doing so well, uh, those the, the other teams start to catch up. And then part of the reason that they catch up, and NASCAR has been looking for this, they want to bring more parity to these teams. And we are seeing that play out to a certain degree by seeing – uh, you know, Rush Fenway Racing, Michael McDowell, and some of these other guys are, that are getting up there and doing well. Um, Ty Gibbs winning. Um, but it's the parts. They've got a lot more parts that are kind of standard for everybody uh, across the board. And I wonder how much of that is kind of playing into this as well. Uh, so you've got two things. The fact that, that people have caught up to where Kevin Harvick was when he was winning all of those races and these other teams are starting to do better. You've also got um, uh, the sponsorship dollars that go into this as well that are maybe playing uh, a bigger role because you've got teams like uh, Eric Jones well, he's 24th in points, but you've got all these um, good drivers that are in other teams that those drivers are attracting more dollars, I think, into some of those teams. So, And we know that Michael McDowell got a big influx of money when he won the Daytona 500. So I just think that the competition is, is a little bit tougher uh, this year than what it has been. And I do agree, and I forget who brought this up now, that not having the practices has uh, played into this somewhat as well. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing a lot of jockeying around uh, with some of these drivers that you don't expect to be up in the top that are, and then the ones that you thought would be up in the top that aren't. So just, just another thought there on that. So, Jay, you get the final word. Well, as they say with a lot of things, and I know that the schedule has been different, a little bit different every year, but 
first couple of races, you know, don't panic yet. We look at about normally six races in, which includes Daytona Speed Weeks or whatever it is, and then the West Coast Swing. And I believe it was Harvick himself that said it, that, you know, that's when they really look at where their program is, the direction they're going, things that have worked or if they if they need to reevaluate. So uh, we'll see once they come back toward uh, from Phoenix, go into Atlanta, uh, Martinsville, the Bristol Dirt Race, which, again, is just another absolute wild card. Uh, and if I forget, I want to bring that up kind of as a separate hot topic. But um, we'll see where they're at there. Again, Kevin Harvick's been finishing top ten with the exception of Phoenix. So it's not like he has gone away and isn't running well. These other teams, we'll see if it was circumstantial or if maybe, I'll just say it, they were a forward team. Maybe they had something in the wheel wells they were playing with and can't no more. You never know. <laughs> so we'll okay. see how, how it settles out after, after six, to, six, seven, eight races. Okay, and just real quick, Mike uh, put into the chat here a couple of other points. It's a lame duck year for the car. This is the last year that we're going to be running this package with the car. Uh, and maybe Stuart House Racing is already focused on their Gen 7 car for 22, and they're not too worried about the car for this year. <laughs> so there might be some, uh, some uh, thoughts to that, too. Okay, so uh, that has to be the final word, and now let's go to Mike then for the next topic. Well, we haven't really talked about them yet this year because there really hasn't been a lot to talk about. Um, but SRX, which if, if uh, our listeners don't remember, is the new racing series being put together by Ray Everham and Tony Stewart. Um, they finally released pictures of their race car today, um, the car that everyone in that series will be competing in. And it's kind of an interesting-looking car. It matches most of the concept art, but to see it in person – I would say, if anything, it looks like a, a, a combination of a Ferrari F40 and a NASCAR late model. It's real interesting to see. Okay. And uh, I just pulled it up on Twitter here. If somebody hasn't seen it yet, just go to Superstar Racing Experience, and you can see a picture of it. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts about the car? Well, we've talked about this before. I know over the weekend there was some talk about sponsorship colors, where the numbers on cars go and all that. Uh, I don't care what it looks like. I want to know how it runs on the track. So that, to me, is where the, the, key, the key factor comes in. And it, with the ones that are involved here, Ray Everham, Tony Stewart, I am sure that, that a lot of work went into that and how it handles on these tracks. Um, so the look, it does look good. But, again, I, I don't. I'm not one that gets into how something looks or, or whatever. Uh, more importantly is how it handles on the track. So that's what I'm waiting for. Okay. Owen, any thoughts on the SRX, SRX car? Yeah, uh, kind of similar. I'm actually kind of more interested into seeing how this new racing series develops. Uh, I think that traditionally, in the, especially in the recent history of American sports, it's been really difficult for, I guess, like a sub-series of a popular sport to uh, successfully market itself and grow in the current like era of sports. Uh, we saw that with the, uh, the American Alliance of Football a couple of years ago. Uh, the XFL recently shut down. Just other leagues have seen similar things like this try to start, and it just hasn't worked out. I think guys like Everham and Tony Stewart are going to do as good a job marketing this as they possibly can. Uh, the car is unique. It's definitely something they can use as a branding tool for that series. 
so I'm definitely interested to see how it develops, and obviously the racing products can be a big part of that. Okay. Uh, and I guess that brings it up to me. I, I'm with you guys. I want to see how it races on the track. <laughs> and uh, I was looking for the schedule here. Uh, does anybody know when the first race is for the SRX? Uh, I'd have to look and see if I can find the schedule as well. Yeah, off the top of my head, I want to say middle of May, but I'm not. I'm not super confident in that answer. I think it's okay, June yeah. 12th. Says Stafford at June 12th. Oh, okay. Thank you, Owen. So I guess we got to wait. I don't know. Are there, there going to be any practice sessions or anything for these guys? I, I was looking for an opportunity for us to actually see it on the track and to see, you know, what it does on the track. Uh, and it sounds like we're going to have to wait until June 12th. But um, uh, it is exciting to see a new series start. I know that there's other series that are out there that haven't uh, really taken off. Uh, but i I got to give Tony Stewart and these guys uh, um, a little bit of kudos for making the effort to make this happen. Uh, I, I think it's a good thing. And uh, I'm happy with the people that they've brought in so far. And uh, we'll see how many more they announce before it all gets started in June. Uh, the only thing, you mentioned the uh, placement of the number on the car. It's not a huge deal. I'm with you, Jay. Uh, I'm more concerned with how it runs than where the numbers are. But the number does seem kind of small on the star. Um, uh, and I wonder how that's going to play out. But the name the name is huge on the front windshield. So what are your thoughts, Mike? Well, I wouldn't be so quick to say I don't care what the car looks like. I, I'll disagree with you all on that. Um, I'm a race fan with you all. I really I, I, I want to see great racing out of the car. Don't get me wrong. But remember, we're talking about a brand-new series. And like Owen said, it's been very difficult for these new spinoff series in various sports to, to get their feet under them. And part of that is going to be the marketing and branding to get people interested and excited and want to watch the racing on TV. Um, just having just a regular looking car driving in circles around a racetrack is probably not going to get people energized and excited about watching the this, this series. And to be bluntly honest, I think the drivers work against them in terms of getting people excited because they, they don't have current superstar drivers that other you know people are watching in other series weekend to weekend so those drivers are not a draw especially for that target 18 to 34 target demographic that's so big in marketing so they're going to have to dig deep and find something to to get people energized and excited and want to watch the series so a cool looking car can check a lot of those boxes right now so yes obviously the racing product on track is going to be the very most important thing but a cool-looking car does get some uh, some eyes on the screen, at least to, to try out the product. Okay. Follow-up, Jay? Well, I, I think that I personally do like some of the drivers they have that are involved. I realize they are not your, your, your teenage drivers or ones that we're talking about at top series, but that was part of the point of it. Uh, you know, I know Ken Schrader, and I don't know if he was just testing or doing some evaluation on it, uh, they had some stuff up with him. Uh, you know, that kind of involvement 
that's going to bring other fans in as well. It might not be the 18 to whatever 30 year old target area, but that is also part of the fan base though, that NASCAR it's been said has kind of left out in the cold. So they might find that bring in that demographic, which might not have been their goal, but it might bring it in. Um, Again, as far, as far as the vehicle itself, uh, to me, you know, whether it looks like a Formula One car or whatever it looks like, unless you're talking about something extraordinarily out of the ordinary, a school bus, a semi-truck, you know, cars look like cars uh, to me. Uh, you know, uh, I know there's, again, you go between, and I go to back to dirt, difference between a late model and a street stock. But there again, like I said, to me, it's the on-track performance that really draws me in. Okay, Owen, your thoughts and follow-up. I think it's interesting to kind of look at the kind of mix in it between appealing to the grassroots fans but also appealing to a new demographic of fans. Because if you look at the tracks they're going to, I mean, Stafford, Knoxville, Eldora, Lucas Oil, Nashville Fairgrounds, they're going to, you know, those short tracks where I guess you could say that NASCAR was kind of born and raised as a sport. Uh, dirt tracks, short tracks, uh, the type of racing that, you know, longtime fans uh, just love and they like to watch. But then you look at the car and the appearance of it is different. It's new. It's nothing like anything NASCAR has ever seen in terms of just pure visual appearance. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that they're trying to appeal to multiple demographics. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how that works out and, Obviously, it's still three months away, but it'll be cool to see what the racing product look like, looks like and how quickly they're able to get rolling. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. It does seem like they're trying to go after uh, a lot of different demographics, but you bring up a good point, Owen, about the tracks that are on the schedule. These are grassroots type of tracks, uh, and it does seem, uh, now that you mentioned it, it seems like an appeal to reach out to those uh, people that are looking for, um, you know, the old NASCAR. Uh, but you're right. This car doesn't look anything like uh, anything that we've seen in NASCAR before. But because it's new and because it's uh, started by Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham and uh, some people that are kind of big in the sport, I, I think it's I think it's going to appeal to a lot of different people. So I'm, I can't wait to see what it does on the track. I think that's really going to be the biggest tell for everybody. We are at that point of the night that I need to make an announcement. Uh, we go off the air at 10.30 p.m. sharp. Uh, and if you're listening for the first time, you're going to hear us go off the air mid-sentence as we continue to talk because we will continue to record the conversation after excuse me, after we go off the air. So uh, look for that to be available as part of our podcast, kind of a bonus overtime material on the podcast. And what will happen is I will go out on uh, Twitter to let everybody know that the podcast is ready or is available. All you have to do if you've listened up to this point is just fast forward to the two-hour mark and you can hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, again, we've got a player at BAMPRacing.com uh, where you can make that happen. And uh, just uh, didn't want anybody to be surprised when we go off the air right at 10.30 p.m. sharp. So, Mike, you get the final word on this one. 
Well, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to it. I just want to point out my incredible restraint. Uh, I didn't make old people jokes. I didn't crack about how the car is not a Buick or a Grand Marquis. And I didn't remark how there aren't sparks by Cracker Barrel quite yet. But the season is young. So I do look forward to talking about SRX more in the future. However, in the process of telling us that you didn't remark on those things, you did make a comment. (laughs) Well, that was kind of the point. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, Owen, do you have a hot topic you'd like to have us talk about here tonight? Yeah, uh, I think that in the whole craziness of Michael McDowell and front row motorsports kind of shocking the world with winning the Daytona 500, there's been another small team that is kind of being overlooked, and their performance has been pretty solid this season, and that's JTG uh, Doherty Racing. I think that Ryan Priest in that 37 and Ricky Stenhouse in the 47 have quietly been very, very solid, and they're a team that hasn't been getting talked about. So I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Okay. So, Mike, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, there was definitely some chatter, especially regarding Ryan Priest in the 37 car. Um, Ryan Priest had – there's no other way to describe it. Ryan Priest had a terrible season last year. Uh, I think he had a three- or four-race streak where he finished dead last in every single one of those races. Uh, hard crashes, a lot of torn-up race cars, a lot of kind of missed opportunities. So I'm really, really glad to see Ryan Priest have a good run, at least so far this season, in that 37 car. Hopefully that momentum continues. Like Jay said earlier, the season's still really young. There's still a lot of dust that needs to settle in terms of how the season is going to look long term. Uh, This is probably one of the wildest starts to a season and most unpredictable starts to a season. Um, So we might not really know the complexion of how the rest of the season is going to shake out until the end of next month or maybe even into May to the Coke 600. but hopefully, you know, one of the things that stays constant is Ryan Priest and, and the JTG top team with uh, Stenhouse as well. Uh, they're able to continue to field competitive cars and have strong runs. All right, Jay, your thoughts? Jay, do you have the mute button on? Seems like Jay gets dropped every week these days. Let me see where he if he's dropped. Okay, yeah, he, let me bring him back in to the queue here if I yeah. can. Okay, I there did, you are. I did I my, fo- my my phone blew up yet again. Uh, I'm not happy with this at all, but I'll I'll leave that to a hot topic between me and Sprint. Um, <laughs> the the JTG team is one that has always been right on that verge. You know, they picked up a win, a road course win with Marcus Ambrose. I don't remember if Almendinger won for him. But we've seen that flashes of good runs and then run 20th to 15th, let's say. And we're seeing a little bit better than that. The key would be maintaining it. If if we're talking about teams that hit on something coming out the gate strong, we know that these powerhouse teams are going to catch up. So that would be where the key comes in, as Mike said, six to eight, ten races down, whether they can maintain that. We've already seen Priest fall off a little bit. I don't have it pulled up right at the moment, but the the point standings, he was in the top five, I believe, for two weeks. Now he's down to 10th to 15th. So going to have to stay step it up even a little bit more because those, those other teams are going to come from further down as they start running top five and winning as we've seen them do in the past. 
I would like to see it because, again, that is a team that has been a mainstay for several years. And like I said, I feel has been always right on the verge of really breaking out. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that I think what we have to do is we have to kind of wait and see how this plays out. Uh, I'd like to take another look at it at 10 races out and see, you know, where are they? Are they still up there? Michael McDowell slipped a little bit this past weekend. Uh, he's been up in the toward the top five. He's now ninth in the series point standings. Uh, but I do think that we've seen uh, really good things from Ryan Priest, Chris Busher, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. If they can step it up another notch or if they can maintain this, I think that's going to bode very well for them uh, because right now the uh, Stenhouse is 17th, if, and he's got you've got uh, a couple of super speedways that are coming up here uh, that uh, he might do pretty well at. So uh, I, the the key to this and whether or not this is sustainable for them, I think, is is what we need to kind of wait it out and see what happens for them. But I'm happy with what I see so far. I think it's good for the sport to see these guys having the good runs that they're having. So, Owen, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I was really looking into the analytics of the the NASCAR loop data earlier this morning and also last night, and I came across some really interesting stats with JCG. I think Stenhouse is third in the series right now in total green flag passes, and Priest is fourth. And the only two drivers that are behind right now are Kyle Busch and, oddly enough, Michael McDowell. And I just think that's interesting because it shows that they really do have fast cars. And one of their biggest issues last year, uh, it was already mentioned about how many cars uh, Priest tore up. Stenhouse tore up a lot of cars, too. And they really lost out on a lot of decent finishes just because they couldn't get to the finish line. And this year they've completed all but three laps. I mean, Priest has completed 803 out of 804. Stenhouse has completed 802. Uh, they're keeping the car clean, and they're finishing the races. And uh, they've been a top 15, top 20 car the majority of the time they're able to finish a race. And that's not going to be enough to get into the playoffs on its own. But like we already said, I mean, a Stenhouse Super Speedway win is never out of the question. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the, the 47 in the playoffs at all. Okay, Mike, your follow-up. Like, uh, like I said earlier, I like the momentum, or I hope there is momentum there, but got to be careful about reading something in tea leaves that's not there. Remember this time last year, we were talking about how John Hunter, John Hunter Nemechek is a hero, and he's not racing in the Cup Series this year. Um, and then, you know, a race or two after, back after the COVID break, we were talking about, you know, why, did, why is Matt Kenseth, why wasn't he in a full-time ride for the past few years? Because Matt Kenseth looks like he was, he was going to make a championship run in that 42, and we saw how that played out. So my point on that one is there's a lot of racing left to go. Um, there's a lot more. There's a lot more cream to rise to the top here, and we'll see how it goes for some of these non-traditional successful teams like JTG or uh, or Front Row. Uh, I'm, I've said it many times. I'm always down to see more competitive cars on the racetrack and have more com- more drivers with an opportunity to win races week in, week out. So if we can have two, three, half a dozen more cars uh, on a weekly basis, be contenders for wins, that's great for the sport, and it's great for us as fans watching it. Jay, your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to steal your lines there, Sharon. Uh, time will tell the rest of the story, so we'll see as we get down the road. 
And just add in there that, Mike, you have been replaced. Not only did Owen use a good word there with the analytics, but it <laughs> pertained to racing specifically. We got like Larry McReynolds with us now here. <laughs> yeah, I really liked Owen's contribution there with uh, some some real stats to kind of back that up. I think I think uh, those are really promising stats, uh, and I hope that it plays out for the rest of the season. And as you were talking about it, Owen, I was thinking to myself, maybe maybe somebody like Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has finally figured out that he's got to take care of his equipment in order to be there at the end. Uh, because as, as you and Mike both pointed out, they they uh, tore up uh, quite a few cars last year. So uh, if they're if they're really getting serious and and taking care of their equipment to be there at the end, uh, that is a very positive move, uh, I think, for that organization and a huge deal if they can sustain it. Uh, for the rest of the season, and it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun storyline to watch. And I'm going to throw in Austin Dillon in this group as well. Uh, I got to give Austin Dillon some credit too. He's 12th in the point standings right now. Uh, I think he's having a, a much better year than we've, we're used to seeing from him. But I think the best thing that happened to Austin Dillon was Tyler Ruddick. So maybe, maybe. That's what they've got going on within JTT Doherty too, is is that competitive spirit uh, between those drivers. When you think about uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. going from uh, Rush Fenway to JTT Doherty, and then Chris Buescher being in that number uh, 17 car this year that used to be Ricky Stenhouse's ride, I, I've got to wonder if there isn't some kind of competitive. Uh, thing going on there between those guys, uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's all good. I can't wait to see how it plays out. So Owen, you get the final word on this one. Yeah, I think another thing that I was just kind of looking at because we were talking about how uh, Priest had that horrible stretch last year with the consecutive last place finishes. He actually finished the year pretty strong. I think he had eight top ten, uh, twenty finishes in the last ten races of last year. And it obviously didn't really mean anything because he was so far out of the playoff picture. It didn't matter at that point. But he did seem to figure some things out. I remember, I think it was last fall's Martinsville race. I just realized out of nowhere that he was running in the top 12, top 15. I was like, oh, wow, Priest is up there. And he started really catching my eye towards the end of last season just as someone who had horrible luck during the middle of the year and actually had – the ability to wheel that car when he wasn't driving it into the fence. So it's nice to see that him and the 47 have both been able to kind of stay out of trouble and really show what that team can do. And what the driver can do. Because those are all good drivers. <laughs> uh, so it's good to see them making it happen. So, Jay, we're back to you. What do you got for us? Well, it kind of pertains around the, the same lines. We've been talking about these new and different teams up front running well, winning races. Uh, with the exception of, and I don't think anybody can deny it completely, McDowell was kind of a surprise winner. Good super speedway racer, has been forever, but for to be the Daytona 500 winner was a little bit of a shock. The other teams we've seen win so far aren't necessarily shocks, but they are different winners. And with that, 
the, these guys that are battling for the championship, especially the 10th to 16th place, possibly on points, happen to look at it. And we mentioned this before. We already felt like the intensity level was a little bit higher. Are we seeing that ramp up even more specifically when it comes to early racing and stage points? Okay. Uh, let's go to you, Owen. I think you're 100% right on the head with that. Uh, yeah, I think they, the early racing has been much more aggressive, I think, than we're used to seeing. Uh, I think especially because with the, without the lack of, or with the lack of qualifying and the current formula they're using to determine the starting uh, order, you're seeing a lot of good cars start near the back, uh, and they have to kind of drive their way through those mid-pack cars. Uh, sometimes they're just really slow cars all the way to the front. And they try to get there as quickly as they possibly can because they know that every point matters. And I think that one driver that's a really good example of this right now is Eric Almirola uh, because, uh, like we've said, he's a guy who's pretty consistent. Uh, he doesn't usually tear up a lot of cars. But he's been involved in accidents, really, in all four races this year. Even at the road course, he spun. And I think part of that is just being a little too aggressive. I mean, obviously, Daytona wasn't anything he could have controlled. But the other three... Uh, that's just not something we see from him usually. So it's just kind of unusual to see him be involved in so many incidents. And I think aggressive racing comes into play with that. Yeah. Okay. Mike, your thoughts? I've really liked what I've seen so far this year in terms of the on-track product. Um, there's been some lulls, you know, the kind of the middle of stage three at Homestead and Las Vegas was a bit dull. Um, let's not talk about the Daytona 500. We can pretend that race didn't happen. Uh, but other than the, than the Daytona 500, the vast majority of the races this year have been great flag to flag. Um, so I like what I see. I'm not sure if that has to do with, like, a, like I said in the chat earlier, whether um, being a lame duck season for the Gen 6 car, a lot of the focus in R&D that is uh, available to these teams is being put on developing the Gen 7 car, which means maybe that razor's edge engineering um, that gave the top teams an advantage. Maybe that's not so much in play this year, and, and that may be part of the reason we're seeing some of the parity that we're seeing. Either way, I like what I see, and I hope it continues. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I like what I see. I like seeing new names that are up in these list uh and i like i would love to see that trend continue uh and it almost makes you sad to see this car go now that we're seeing uh, all of this racing that's going on on the track um but yeah i think the stage racing does have something to do with it uh, going back to what jay said uh i've always felt that the stage racing made it more competitive throughout the race which is what we needed um, and you see drivers, uh, even drivers that um, are racing to be in that top 20 or racing to be, everybody is racing for those points. So everybody wants to get up there and, and uh, try to be a part of that. And and that's good for the sport. That's good for the product. That's good for the fans. It's, it's a win-win all the way around. Um but I do think that the lack of practice has something to do with it. Uh, some teams just seem to have a better car coming off of the truck and being able to make the adjustments much more quickly. Uh, it, what is shocking to me is Kyle Busch has gotten better at it this year, 
but Kyle Bush seems to have struggled with that, and he admittedly said that last year uh, that not having the practice sessions hurt him and his team, uh, that they weren't getting the cars that they needed right off of the truck. Uh, in a way, that's that's not good for that team, obviously, but it makes it good for us as fans because then we get to see. I think a little bit different type of competition on the track. So I think not having that practice has given us a different type of racing that we're seeing on the track. And I think that's a positive. So Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's ironic last year. We talked about that and Kyle Busch, like you said, admitted it, but it seemed that the no practice seemed to play into Kevin Harvick's favor. And now this year we're saying, well, maybe it's hurting him. So, again, there's got to be something else going going on. Mike mentioned it could be the, the lack of development or top teams uh, pursuing new areas with it being a lame duck car, or they have finally figured out with this package of right where it needs to be. But then as Sharon brought up of next year we're starting over with a new car, we might lose that. Uh, right now, I guess, I just have to enjoy and be a broken record, enjoy what is happening, whatever the reason, why it's happening, how it happens. Right now, what we're seeing is some great racing, stage one, stage two, all the way through the race. So enjoy it, and uh, we'll worry about next year or what happens after that later on. Okay, Owen, your follow-up? Yeah, I think um, all night long we've really talked about the increased parity of this year, and I think the lame duck year of the car probably has something to do with that. I'm sure a lot of these teams kind of had leftover Gen 6 resources that uh, obviously would be useless going into 2022. So uh, you got to use it all up while you have it. And I think that a lot of the bigger teams probably are looking forward a little bit more towards the next gen car and towards 2022. But I think that you're seeing a lot of those smaller teams like front row, like JTG, uh, even to a smaller extent, the part-time teams like colleague, uh, just really focusing on the current car and focusing on uh, increasing viewership, increasing sponsorship money, uh, just getting their names out there now while they can. Okay. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah. um, Owen brings up a good point is for whatever reason, the door seems to be open for the, the, you know, your 15 to 25 place week in and week out teams. The door is open for them to get the visibility that they've been, they've been craving. So hopefully it does lead to that increased exposure. And with that exposure comes uh, sponsorship dollars. Allegedly the gen seven car is going to be a substantial cost of business reduction in terms of being able to field a competitive car. So maybe some work can be done right now with the gen six car for these JTGs, Roush Fenway front row kind of teams where they get that support solidified this year with a kind of a financial commitment that guarantees them being able to be competitive with a gen seven car that may be cheaper to operate. Okay, I don't have a whole lot to add, to be honest with you. So, uh, Jay, I'm going to let you be the last word on this one. Yeah, uh, there are so many possibilities. We don't know what what has been the cause of it. And and thank Mike there for being on the positive side of things and looking at what it may hold for the future of these teams that, for whatever the reason, right now are able to capitalize and get that exposure hopefully build up some uh, some sponsorships and partnerships. 
you know, again, they may struggle a little bit going into next year, but at least use it to boost their level in, of, of their teams. Okay. Now, I, um, I'm i going to bring up a topic, uh, and I'm su- kind of surprised nobody brought it up yet, uh, and we'll make this our last topic. But uh, I'm going to go to the truck race and the spin by Kyle Busch. Uh, I know that Kyle Busch refused to talk about whether uh, what happened in that particular situation. A lot of people were buzzing about it after the race. Um, and if you go back to the Bubba Wallace situation uh, where he admitted that he intentionally spent, he was promptly fined for doing it, which explains why probably um, – Kyle Bush isn't saying much right now, but what are your guys' thoughts about that? And uh, is it just going to be there and nothing happens? What happens from here? And will we see more of it if nothing happens? Mike, we'll start with you. My big picture thought on it is not a big deal. It happens regularly. Um, There was a lot of talk about it last year about guys spinning intentionally to bring out the caution. Um, and there's finger pointing of, you know, between drivers. Oh, well, I think Logano was accusing people of, of spinning out, and then all of a sudden people are pointing fingers back at him, and, and it's going back and forth. The difference in the Bubba Wallace thing is Bubba was not smart about it. All these other drivers, they play coy. You know, Kyle Busch kind of, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, of course I didn't spin out intentionally. He never admitted to it. Bubba was dumb in that he admitted to it and that tied NASCAR's hands. It's always kind of an accepted thing where drivers are going to do what they can do to massage the, uh, the, the rules in order to, to best benefit them. If Kyle Busch hadn't spun out there, I'm not saying he did it intentionally, but if Kyle Busch had not spun out there, it's likely he would have lost more than that one lap. And with his, uh, as late in the race as it was, it's unlikely Kyle Busch would have finished on a lead lap and not finished second behind his teammate, John Hunter Nemechek. So Kyle Busch is a smart guy. He knows what the rules are. He knows what it would take to trigger a caution. And I'm not saying he did it intentionally, but Kyle Busch is the kind of guy who would do whatever is necessary to assure that he has the best potential finishing position. Okay, Owen, your thoughts. Yeah, I think in watching that incident unfold, uh, it did appear to me that it was probably a spin done with intention. I'm not going to point fingers at Kyle Bush and say that uh, that was exactly what he was trying to do. However, I do think that if anyone can drive a truck with a flat tire, it would probably be Kyle Bush. Um, but to really punish a driver for doing something that I guess isn't explicitly not allowed. I mean, if, they bring if they don't penalize him during the race then guys are going to keep doing it uh, unless they start saying you know what you spun out on purpose to keep from going two laps down so we're going to hold you for a lap just like they do if you speed on pit road to keep from going down the lap uh, you're going to get guys doing it all the time and uh, the point was already made that he would have lost more than one lap if he didn't do it. He knew he was going to be out of contention in that race, and he knew they weren't going to bring the yellow out uh, unless he was a hazard to the other drivers, so he made himself a hazard to the other drivers. And it's just kind of a, a gray area that's going to be really difficult for NASCAR to navigate unless they make it not a gray area. 
Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Combining all all those elements, it's a tough line. Uh, you know, you don't want to see NASCAR get involved and say, hey, we think you did it on purpose, even though we can't prove it unless you admit it or they have some kind of evidence. But I think if it continues and there is more of what appears to be, NASCAR will have to step in and play that role. And that's when I think you'll see it happen less. It's, it's one of those, unfortunately, until somebody does get penalized for the possibility of it, you're not going to see it change. Uh, we, we've talked about this with a couple of different things, the whole race win but have an illegal car. Until NASCAR said, hey, we're taking the win away, they're going to keep doing it. Okay. Now, right now the standard is as long as you don't outright admit it, you won't get penalized. But if that continues to happen and be a bigger issue, NASCAR is going to have to step in and say, hey, we're going to have to punish you because we believe you did. And that's when I think you'll see it completely stop. Until then, you'll see it happen and drivers say, not going to talk about it. Don't know what happened. Car felt loose or, you know, whatever. However they want to deny it or not say it. So. Until until a penalty is enforced, it's going to happen. Yes, I agree. To to uh, Mike's point, a lot of people have done it. Uh, you know, drivers talk about carrying extra rubber or whatever or foam or whatever in their car to throw out to start a caution uh, going back to the old days. Um, but it's a really tough thing because, and somebody's going to go too far with it at some point. Uh, and we we saw the repercussions of something of a, like that happening when it really is important to uh, the playoff uh, results and what happens in the playoffs. Uh, and that's where fans are going to start getting upset if it continues to happen and is as blatant as it was, I think, on, on Friday night. Um I do think that it's a it's a tough road for NASCAR to hold, though, too, because it's very subjective. How do you determine whether it was done on purpose or not? And if the driver can make up a story um, as to why it happened, uh, you almost have to take their word for it. So I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a really tough situation, but I do. Unfortunately, I think that drivers push it sometimes too far, and that's when the rule has to happen, unfortunately. Uh, NASCAR hasn't put that into place yet. I don't think they want to be in the position that they have to put that into place, but I, I just am a little bit like Jay. I think at some point in time, they're going to they're gonna have to make a decision on that, and it's unfortunate but that's why rules are made is because people do push just that little bit too far. So, Mike, your thoughts? Well, there's two magic words here, and Jay kind of hit on it. Those two magic words are prove it. And if you can't prove it, it's really hard to make a strong case to basically take, take the race away from somebody. If you put a car mm-hmm. two laps down with less than 50 to go – you basically have taken their chance of winning that race away. So you better be able to prove to not just that driver, but their team and their sponsors that you are certain 
that what you are penalizing them for is a valid and provable thing. And it's really, really hard to do. Unless the driver fesses up to it, it's really, really hard to do. Because take Kyle Busch, for example. We're all sitting here saying, yeah, that was a pretty obvious uh, intentional spin. Well, I'm not Kyle Busch. I'm not the one who made the decision in the race car. None of us on the phone are. As far as I heard, Kyle, if you're here, speak up. Um, so there's only one guy who knows for absolute certainty whether or not it was intentional. And it's really easy to make a plausible story of, well, you know, I was trying to get back to pit road, and I just I tried a little bit too hard getting out of turn two, and it got away from me on the back straightaway. That's a plausible story, especially coming from a professional race car driver like that. So it's really hard to prove that he's not telling the truth on that one. You brought up the Michael Walter Racing Clint Boyer uh, playoff problem from 2013. I think that's where that boundary really comes in. On the individual driver level, I think that's, that's probably not a problem. You know, that's a decision that one driver is making in the race car. With Michael Waltrip racing, it was very clear that there was an organized, premeditated conspiracy to manipulate that race in order to benefit Martin Truex and Michael Waltrip racing in general. And I think NASCAR was right to step in there. Because, yes, nobody confessed to it, but there was overwhelming evidence uh, between radio conversations and some other data that they found uh, that made it abundantly clear that team orders were for Clint Boyer to intentionally spin the car out to manipulate the outcome of the race. That's very, very, very different than an individual driver in a immediate circumstance of, in this case, losing a tire uh, making a split decision in the race car to to bring out the caution. I think that's where your line is right there. So team conspiracy, problem, needs to be corrected. Individual driver decision, no, it, don't don't tie NASCAR's hands, but be, uh, beyond that, I would say it's part of racing. Okay, Owen. I think it's really interesting how you made the comparison between the uh, the team conspiracy and the individual decision because that wasn't really a way I was thinking about it uh, prior to, I guess, that point being made. And I think another uh, thing you could compare it to in terms of the team conspiracy where, again, there's, I guess, some evidence from radio, but no direct driver admittance would be last year at Martinsville with a uh, Eric Jones not passing Denny Hamlin when he obviously had a faster car Mm -hmm. and his uh, crew chief was basically telling him, don't pass the 11. He needs one point to make the championship four. Uh, And there were a lot of people calling for NASCAR to step in and penalize Joe Gibbs racing for doing that, but they didn't. So there's obviously a gray area regarding, I guess, what teams are allowed to do and what teams aren't allowed to do. Uh, They obviously set a pretty strict precedent on intentionally wrecking your car with Spingate, and it kind of led to the demise of Michael Walter Bracing, but it is an individual decision, and that's why I think it's difficult for NASCAR to really do anything about the Kyle Busch situation because, I mean, they can't necessarily say, oh, Kyle Busch did that so that John Hunter Nemechek would be in a better position to win the race, or, oh, Kyle Busch did that for to put KBM in a better position. He did it because he didn't want to go two laps down. And, yeah, it had an, an effect on the race, but it's going to be difficult for NASCAR to truly definitively say he did that on purpose for this reason and this reason and this reason, and that's why I think it's going to be difficult for them to really actually do anything about it. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. 
Well, I'm going to combine mine and yours. There's going to come a point where somebody's going to do it. NASCAR is going to say, whether you admit it or not, we're going to punish you. And I go back to a different topic, if you will, but did you wreck somebody on purpose? Matt Kenseth says, I had a problem with my car. It went into the corner, and it happened to pinch Joey Logano into the wall. They said, we don't believe you. You're, you're suspended for two races. So if push comes to shove, they won't say we have to prove it. We're making a judgment call. Don't put us in that position to be a judge because we can't judge 100%, but if you force us to, we will. So that's where the, that's the stance they got to start with is say, hey, don't put us in that position because you're not going to like it if we're in that position. Yeah, I guess I'll go back to time. He'll tell us the rest of the story, Jay. <laughs> Uh, whether or not they do carry it too far. I just feel like it's just human nature. <laughs> Somebody somewhere is going to carry it too far, and we've already seen it through the examples that you've brought up where NASCAR has to step in. But I think NASCAR does want to keep it to a minimum. They don't want to be in that position. And so uh, we'll just have to see how it continues to play out. But um, if it happens enough times, I think the fans – We'll we'll have something to say about it too. Uh, they'll be outraged enough. Uh, but you're right; it's very subjective, and and that's that's where the rub really comes in. Uh, so we'll let time tell the rest of the story. Okay, it's time for our round table here, and um, uh, we'll go around the table, and everybody just kind of uh, gives their uh, social media handles. Uh, if you have any, and then also uh, what they're working on and what we can look forward to from you. So, Jay, we'll start with you. All right. You can follow me on Facebook under my name, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, looking this week, uh, throw something out there. We talked about it in several different ways, but looking to, to put together an article on how long I think this streak of different winners, I'm not going to say new winners or surprise winners, but different winners could stretch. So uh, look for that here in the next week. And with that coming up, uh, here's some rumblings down at Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway. I'll be down there in two weeks as we kick off the uh, opening night. And I just want to say, say it was great to have Owen on. Uh, brought that analyticals to the show as well as he does with his uh, power rankings and other articles he does on that. So uh, great job, Owen. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Mike, we'll go to you next. Yeah, it's going to be Mike underscore Zell on Twitter. Mike, double underscore O on Reddit. I got an article went live, uh, I think, early last week. It's the second in the uh, the hot seat series articles, this one regarding Brad Keselowski. So if you hadn't had a chance to check it out yet, head over to Fanfare Racing Blog and give that one a read. Decent analysis there. Um, William Byron kind of pulled the rug out from under me. He was looking to be my next target for hot seat. So maybe I'll write about him still. Maybe I won't. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure out the next hot seat article here and get that cooking here pretty soon. Okay. Owen, you're next. Yeah, uh, good first time being on the show. Really enjoyed it. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Stewart with an underscore. Uh, this week I'm really working on my power rankings. They should be out tomorrow. I'll have my winners and losers article and then my weekly betting advice for the cashier pass for the upcoming race at 
Phoenix Raceway. And I may try to get an analytics article in there as well. I've been working on some seasonal loop data stats that I'd like to incorporate in my stuff. So we'll just wait and see. Okay. We'll look forward to that. And, Owen, I'm going to echo uh, Jay's comments. Uh, it's been really good to have you on the show. I hope this isn't the last time. I hope we get to get, have you back again uh, somewhere down the road here and uh, be a part of our hot topics. Uh, I've really enjoyed, again, your analytical uh, perspective on things, and uh, I hope you had as good a time being on the show as we've had having you here. Sure did. It was a pleasure. This is a lot of fun, so thank you for inviting me. Okay. Uh, I am Fanforacing Psyched on Twitter, Fanforacing Blog and Radio elsewhere on social media, and... Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to. I've got that Chase, artic- Chase Elliott article for you, Jay. I'll be putting that out tomorrow. Uh, I do have a Bristol Dirt Race uh, piece from Tommy uh, that we'll be putting out. So uh, that's closer to the Bristol Race. But uh, I've got a piece from him that we'll be putting out. Uh, Sam's recap was put out today on the uh, Kyle Larson victory at Las Vegas, so uh, that's all good. And then, of course, all the pieces that Owen talked about uh, we have to look forward to here, as well as uh, Jay's and Mike's piece as well. So uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to uh, check it out and see what we have to say. And uh, we'll look forward to... uh, the Thursday night show, we do have, I believe, I'm waiting for the final confirmation, but I think uh, Roger Carruth will be on our show on Thursday night uh, at 8.40 p.m. Eastern Time, and we'll be able to talk to him about uh, participating in the ARCA East Series this year, and uh, I'm just waiting for that final confirmation, so stay tuned for more news on that front. And then I already mentioned it earlier, but I'll mention it again. Monday night, we have Bill Lester will be on the show Monday night, and he's written a book. We'll talk a little bit about his book, and but we'll also talk about uh, at Atlanta. He's going to be racing in the truck series and hoping to find sponsorship enough to uh, run the rest of the season. So we'll kind of get an update for him from him as far as how that's going. So uh, a lot to look forward to there as well. So with that, I think we're ready to call it a night, guys. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Good night. Y'all have a good one. Okay. Talk to you on Thursday. Good night, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.